1: And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, Jedi Fallen Order, and all the other exciting and awesome projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. But today, we are here for another installment of our saga commentaries, um, and this time we're watching Return of the Jedi. Um, I'm feeling a little under the weather so I apologize if I don't sound like I'm conveying the proper amount of excitement for my personal favorite Star Wars movie but wow. I'm gonna do my best mm. um, but as always I'm your host Kyle and I've got my co-host Tim and Paul with me how's it going guys
0: very good What's up? very good this is one of my favorite I think I've said it on the last show that Empire and Jedi are my favorite Star Wars films ever you can flip a coin and e- whichever one it falls on that's my favorite so they're pretty much evenly matched at this point. Growing up, though, Jedi was my favorite. But, the, yeah, this is this is peak, peak Paul Herman uh, past movie. My whole childhood is is summed up in this movie, essentially. So, yeah, I'm excited to the, kind of talk about it with you guys.
2: Yeah, well, this one probably isn't – definitely not my top three. I'm not sure if it's in my top five, actually. Again, you all know me and in not – liking to rank the star wars films even though i'm gonna to have to pretty soon but i will say this is probably the most watched star wars film for me because as a kid this is the one that i just kept going back to and back to because i for a long time i didn't have the whole trilogy on vhs it was just i had a new hope and no actually it was a new hope was recorded off of tv and then Still i just had now. empire and jedi and jedi was the one i kept watching the most for the longest time. So, yeah, probably if I were there was an official count for Star Wars films that I watched the most, I think
1: Jedi would come out on top. Mm-hmm. It would probably be the same for me, but I watched them all so many times as a kid I really couldn't yeah. tell it. you. It's probably between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, though. Because um, Return of the Jedi was my favorite as a kid too, and then it kind of changed as I got older and now I've gotten to a point where it's back to being my favorite, but um i also remember watching a new hope a lot and specifically i mean i remember we watched that one so much that we wore out part of the vhs tape and like you'd get to the battle of yavin and sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't um (laughs) but uh yeah this is definitely um you know a big part of my childhood as well uh love this movie so let's just go ahead and uh stop talking about it and start watching it shall we Yes. At, at which point, of course, we'll start talking about it again. But you get my drift. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, for those of you following along, you probably know the drill by now if you're not new to the podcast. But uh, we start the Blu-ray. We skip past all the 20th Century Fox home video and the FBI warning and all that kind of stuff. So we're on the main title, uh, Title 1, Chapter 1 at 0 out of 214. Um And we got it all queued up and ready to go on Punch It. So, you guys ready to go? Yep. All right, let's do it. In three, two, one, Punch It.
2: And I got to say it because it's the last time we're going to be able to mention it on our commentary podcast. The 20th Century Fox logo, it goes with Return of the Jedi. Yep. Will it come back for Rise of Skywalker, though?
1: Mm, I don't think so. I <laughs> doubt it. I mean, they could I'm because Disney kidding. owns yeah. Fox now, but yeah, I don't think they will. Um, but man, guys, we're getting close. Like, I'm yeah. excited to get to this one, not only because I love this movie and can't wait to talk about it, but also because we're now done with the original trilogy after this, which means we just have The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and then The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it's crazy it's yeah, crazy well,
2: how time flies by man well just think if we were doing a star wars podcast about eight years ago this would be our final commentary episode because for the longest time <laughs> return of the jedi was it oh for yeah, the saga. yeah. So it's kind of just crazy to think how far we've come now or before we just thought it was a six episode saga now we got the sequel trilogy and the uh, star wars story films and tv shows coming down the line and animated series it's just crazy to think how much stuff we've gotten post return of the jedi once we thought that was it and even just growing up too um for the first time watching the original trilogy not really knowing that there was a prequel trilogy planned until later on and how just before just these three star wars movies and that was it
0: yeah there was a lot of um there's a lot this movie just is a lot going into it and when you only had the three films this movie had a lot it's it's we talk about end game marvel's end game you know culminating 20 films whatever but back in the day this was this was a big deal to wrap up the trilogy again at a new hope was the biggest movie of all time and and this had to wrap up that whole story and it was still star wars is gigantically huge and it sounds like from you know if you read reviews from back in the day and whatnot, it seemed like it was it was pretty much well received. I'd say. I mean, it wasn't as well received as I think the first two, but it wasn't like a night and day difference. Like everyone hated it. It was more of like, oh yeah, it's okay. Obviously, the Ewoks get a lot of hate. We'll talk about that later. But,
1: but yeah, this movie,
0: <laughs> this movie is just this movie means the world to me, and I've, I could yeah, I could watch this. This movie, like *Empire Strikes Back*, is my get well movie, and it makes me feel. It makes me feel good just watching it right now, and it looks beautiful. And I cannot wait to get this thing on four K.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's got to be coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just imagine, because again, since I was growing up with the original trilogy mainly on VHS, not seeing it in theaters, and again, this is another movie that I don't remember watching for the first time, but I can just imagine the anticipation for return of the jedi maybe even more so for fans than empire because just of the cliffhanger ending you got with empire with yeah. Darth vader telling luke mm-hmm. his father and is he telling the truth and then han being put in carbonite and going to jabba's palace so i just imagine the anticipation level was just through the roof for this movie back in 1983 That's i mean i
1: imagine I-, I imagine it was probably similar to our level of anticipation for the last jedi where i mean the force awakens Well, I guess it kind of did end on a cliffhanger with, you know, wanting to see what happens next with Ray and Luke, but would just that movie introduced so many things that we then had so many questions about going into the next movie Um, and so many theories and speculation and stuff. And uh, I'm sure it was probably the same case here. I by the
0: way, I just noticed a TIE bomber for the first time in my life. No way! Oh, I swear, <laughs> really? I've never noticed it, and just I swear, this till now. I'm like, Wait, that's a, that's a TIE bomber right there on the scene when when it comes in, and as it's they're uh, walking down, I just now noticed it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, but yet awesome because we're just talking about how many times we've seen this movie, and you're yeah. still noticing new stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I
0: I love this scene just because I love the fact that. It starts off with, with Darth Vader being like, yeah, what's up? Okay. You know, give me an update. Guess what? Emperor's coming. Boom. And you can tell Gerard's just like, "Uh, yeah, I (laughs) I just love it. And I love the fact that he, that they're telling us, even though we probably already saw it in the trailers at this point, but right off the bat, Vader's like, yo, Emperor's coming. Get with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And immediately just upping those stakes. Like, um, you know, you see a brief glimpse of the empire, uh, the emperor in the previous movie, um, and they just tell you straight up right off the bat like no he's coming in the flesh and uh, of course at this point you don't know that he's going to be a Sith Lord shooting lightning out of his fingers and stuff but um, even this line right here where Vader says the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am well I know you know, know. how many Imperial officers have we seen Vader choke by this point so that's a pretty mm-hmm. ominous threat like you know to right. get us anticipated like dang what's this Emperor guy going to be like
2: yeah, it's Ness- awesome too that you're not going to see it right away. You got to, you know, giving you the anticipation of seeing the Emperor in the flesh, like you said. But first we got a rescue hand, <laughs> and then yeah. we'll get back to it. I think that's part of the brilliance of this movie. And I've been here, by the
0: oh,
1: way. Oh, really? That, this part, yeah, this awesome is awesome that you could say that. Death Valley.
0: <laughs> this is Death Valley right here. Mm-hmm. I've been in this part. I, I walked around this area. It's, it's nuts. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize, Tim. But I, I just want to say this is... My favorite part of Star Wars is Jabba's Palace. By far, a lot of it has to do with my nostalgia, but I love, 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 love this this whole part of the movie of Jabba's Palace. It's my favorite. All the aliens and monsters, yeah.
2: Give it to me. Definitely. And before we get fully into Jabba's Palace, I just wanted to mention, too, how we're watching it on the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray's where we've got that first, delete to see that deleted scene of Luke building his lightsaber. Mm. And we got that shot of Vader, you know, after he walks away from Gerard and then going to his chambers trying to communicate with Luke telepathically. And just I'll out of all the deleted scenes we've seen and stuff that was put in the special edition, I think that is one I wish Lucas decided yeah. to put in here too because it Agreed. was amazing. Yeah. yeah well, I think it would have flowed really well. I agree.
0: Well also too that it got so far it got music. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean that's how that's how close it came going into there, and I I'm with you. I think I, I could handle. I, I I understand why they didn't put it in because it, Luke's reveal when he comes in to save everyone makes more sense. But like you, I, I would have loved for them to put this in the movie. I thought it would have been perfect, you know, as far as including including it. I mean, it was almost sports skyping this like in uh Last Jedi. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. although it's funny because you think about it now, and it's like obviously like knowing the movie as it is for so long, then you see something like that and it's like, Oh, that would have been a really cool addition. But when you look at the whole thing in context, it's like, yeah, I do think maybe it makes more sense. Like the reasoning for why it was cut. Um, because as much as it's cool to see somebody building a lightsaber in a star Wars movie for the first time. Um, yeah, still, I think that reveal of, you know, R2 shooting it out and Luke catching it on the sail barge is, uh, you know, just such a cool, like heroic moment. And I don't know that that would have quite the yeah. same impact if you had already seen him ignite the lightsaber earlier in the movie. Yeah. But so just for the, for guards, the emotional impact it, it, of it.
0: Yeah. Good Guards. I love good Guards love, love them. And I wish we'd see him again in the movie soon. Or maybe it'll show up in the Mandalorian. I'm hoping so, but yeah,
1: maybe,
0: yeah, I, I just, I have, I used to have two good guards growing up and I played with them like crazy,
2: and I love love these characters. Yeah, and this, Java's Palace in general, like you were mentioning, all the aliens and creatures we see in here—they made for some great action figures to play with as kids. And I, I had a lot of my collection was from these aliens and creatures from Jabba's Palace. Yeah. Had yep. quite a few Gamoran guards like you too, Paul. God.
0: Jabba the Hutt. I want to know what it was like to first see Jabba the Hut for people you know that were more cognizant because obviously that, yeah I saw this movie when I was a kid and and it was already been out and you know I I grew up with this movie so I just always loved him but he looks incredible and I just really again talk about the Gamorrean guards I want to see a Hut live action Hut again that's in a puppet form I would
1: kill to see that you know what not- that's that's something that I maybe wouldn't be surprised to see in the Mandalorian. I hope so because
0: it, and you, everyone knows I'm not an anti-CG person at all. I, lo- I have no problems with CGI, but I think the puppet huts just look a little more grotesque that you need that little extra ump for. Yeah. But yeah, but I hope
1: you're right. I really do. Yeah. I could see them doing that for sure. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, it's, it's cool to just see the variety of, you know, aliens and puppets and, all this, like, practical costumes and stuff that, like, still holds up really well now. I know I feel like we've talked about that with every movie in the uh, original trilogy so far. Um But, you know, it just makes it feel so just, like, populated and lifelike. And as a kid, I wasn't as much into the aliens and stuff. Like, I mean, I liked it. Like, it's just... I appreciate that as, like, part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. But I didn't have Gamorrean guard toys like you guys. I was... You know, I I didn't get like a ton of Star Wars figures as a kid, but I had like six different versions of Luke Skywalker. Like I was all about, you know, Luke and Vader and just playing the heroes, but um yeah, I still love just all these different weird designs and uh you know, I mean just like the Mos Eisley Cantina just making this place feel populated and lived in with all these weird creatures. I have a question. Where are Jabba's ears?
0: <laughs> because Bitportuna is like master, I he
1: no Jedi, and it's like where are Jabba's ears? I mean, if you really want to analyze Hut anatomy, I'm, there's a lot of I'm other not, things that you could ask. Where is that too? Yeah,
0: <laughs> they're not. We also, yeah, we always thought they were asexual characters, right? But they're not. Like the the new canon, and they are actually they can yeah.
1: No, they're not asexual. They're hermaphrodites, which means you, that they can switch. Uh, but
0: they're not. No, they're not though. They're like, they
1: are.
0: No, no, they're male or female, man. Uh, That's, that was changed. That was maybe in, in, uh, the, their legends material, but
1: not now that's they're legit, like boy or girl. I think so. I mean, I know they have personalities that seem that way, but I thought, and maybe this is legends, but yeah, I thought they could change if they needed to. This part is so weird to me as a kid. I just, I just
0: accepted the fact that it's torture droids. Like, no, what, whatever. But now I'm like, what is, what are they
1: doing? They're yeah, droid. I don't yeah. know. Like the hot iron thing isn't even like touching his feet. And why would that cause a droid pain? I, but at the same time, I also love it.
2: Is that weird? It just adds to, I don't know what it's called, the atmosphere of Java's palace. Yeah. <laughs> that just makes it so unique and so foreboding, I guess for anyone to want to go there, especially C-3PO. I mean, we heard them being afraid just going up to the door and now all his worst fears are coming true as he's, that's especially in this point. scene, mm-hmm. yeah. to see these well, droids being melted down, branded. It looks like right.
0: And behind B- EV-9, there's that droid from the Jab, uh, the Jawa, uh place. When the, when they take 3PO right here, you'll see him on the left. He's a uh, one of the one of the droids is kind of like spazzing out when he walks by. See that one? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. always I always I always love that little Easter eggs like that even in this. And this is uh Richard Marquand the the director. He's the voice of EV9. Oh, I didn't oh, really? Know that. Really? I never
3: knew that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Huh. I always I love EV9. I think he's a great-looking droid.
2: He has a great voice too. See, I never knew that about Yeah. Richard Marquand.
0: All right, so let's get it out of the way. What do you prefer? Uh, do you prefer It's a matter <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: of oh, the Oh! oh. <laughs> Uh, All
1: right, Paul, La- I think neck you need to just sing neck- this entire neck- thing for us.
0: Good. <laughs> I've seen it so many times? Oh, Max, I love Max. I, I have
1: don't. no problem with Jedi rocks. I, I do. I'm with. I'm with
0: uh, Tim. Tim, yeah. uh, I lap, neck is. This is. i i again. I'm not anti CG person, but this is just. This is a little rough. This is. That's yeah. yeah
2: like not to mention the visuals but just the song in general too yeah the
0: song is not great i, I th- actually the visuals aren't or whatever i don't mind the visuals that much Ugh, the freaking drummer uh what's his name Um uh, weak it's so weird
2: it just seems to me that it's almost because like you said Paul, have been watching the original so many times it just feels like they're too set it doesn't feel like it's part of Jabba's palace it could tell us yeah like, shot at different times it doesn't seem to flow naturally when you can slice in some of the old scenes with the max rebuild band and then with the new shots of the new members yeah yeah
1: i but will say the, the two things i don't like if you know as someone who like i mean i i'm not like staunchly one or the other it just doesn't really bother me but the the two things I don't like is those quick shots of like size noodles and the other hairy guy. Like the times when they sing like right at the camera and get their mouth right up in your face. Like that's distracting.
0: Yeah. This is so crazy. The fact that they shot this, what, 15 years later and Ula looks exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally exactly the same. That's crazy. I mean, I I love that addition, by the way. Like again, that was a great addition. People be like, they the other in the movie?" It's like it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff.
2: Yeah, so that's like it's like something that just a nice little added touch that doesn't hurt anything <laughs> with, yeah. about the movie. It just gives you again one of those like teases for like, if for someone who's watching it for the first time, like, "Oh, what's coming out of that door?" once it rises, but then you'll find out later. To see what exactly is so, just a little foreb- more like foreboding of stuff we're gonna see later on. I mm-hmm.
0: seriously love this movie so much. The scene is—I'm just like—I'm just like—I just, like, just want to keep watching it. I'm just oh, I love this movie.
1: Yeah, and it's so—it's so funny that you and me both love this a lot and have it like near the top of our list. But I feel like we love it for completely different reasons. Because I love all—I of, I love all of this stuff too. But like the second half of the movie is the stuff that I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get to that though. You
0: know I. I've grown to love everything. I love how he burps at her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, this, all the stuff, it's costumes. I'm a costume person. I, I get made fun of a lot of my friends about like, you know, Justin Bulger of our friend will be like, Oh, but if you put a costume on, will you like it then? I'm like, yeah, I will jerk. You know? and, you know, and so, yeah, so what? So, but yeah, I'm all about costumes. And I love you, Cardi Chops in my hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, sorry, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do that That's all awesome. day today, by the way. I just, I just, seriously going to do that all day. Um, but no, I, the, 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 the designs for this movie are just phenomenal. And Bausch, Jabba, uh, just incredible. And I just love everything they do in this movie. And I, again, I, I just, I always wanted a Bausch figure growing up, but I didn't get one. So that was
2: one. It was funny. I had one for the longest time where it was the Bouch figure, Leia with the Bouch figure, but I never had the helmet. Like, I lost it. For oh, the, that's standard. For the longest time, and that was the only figure I had of Leia. And it's funny that I was thinking about it. I took me forever to get a Luke figure, too. So I would kind of substitute the Leia uh, Bush figure as Luke and Leia. <laughs> oh, nice. But I eventually got another Boush figure with the helmet, but. I made sure, like I, every time I was done playing, I had to take it off, put it in my a bag of all the accessories that came with the figure, <laughs> to make sure they wouldn't get lost. But it's such a great looking design, a great voice yeah. too to go with
0: it. Great. Mm-hmm. everything is so great. And one of the things, uh, speaking of action figures, I remember um, my mom and my mom and me, we went into, I want to say, KB Toys. And I remember uh, going no, back. That's the
1: name I've not heard in a long time. Right, it was something
0: like that. I miss KB's. Yeah, same. But listen to this. This is, is why I'm bringing it up. Because Lando, right here, in Skiff Guard, again. Great design. Great, great yep. design. Um, I remember going into it, and like and go, my mom was like, "Let's go in this toy store." I, I vividly remember going in, Power of the Force, eighty-seven. I remember this so vividly, looking at and there's a wall that's they had this like a, a whole wall of. Return of the Jedi, or excuse me, Star Wars, Power of the Force figures. I got Luke without his helmet, or Luke, or excuse me, Luke, uh, Stormtrooper Luke, and Lando Calrissian Skiff guard, and I, I lost Luke's helmet. I lost Luke. I don't think I have Luke anymore, but I had, but no, no crap. I, Lando and his helmet survived. I have both still to this nice. day. And so I, I thought it was pretty impressive myself. The, those, usually helmets and weapons are always the first thing to go, right? But I always yeah. managed to keep his helmet for whatever reason, so.
2: I like how, too, when Jabba's sleeping, some of the other members' pals just go on his dais right there and just sleep on it and make it their own bed. <laughs> well, it's,
0: well, they're all sleeping there. That's what's so weird. They're all just sleeping in there.
1: Yeah, those, like, pick a spot and hit it. your bed. Yeah. yeah, just a big old party house.
0: Well, and what's crazy is why would she? Why would Leia think that she could just
1: unfreeze them like like this? It doesn't make any sense when there's people sleeping. Well, what's she gonna do? Pick up the giant frozen carbonite slab and walk out? Well, I know, but but that's my
2: Maybe point. Maybe didn't expect is. it to be so loud, though. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think obviously, well, as we know, Luke's whole plan was to pretty much get captured anyway so maybe they knew this was going to happen and, and they just said hey if it works it works if you get out without having me to come in and save you that works too but I think that was a whole point right Luke knew this is kind of all according to plan wasn't yeah like that's a big, probably true But wasn't, wasn't, well, there kinda, like a big, wasn't there a big like article about that like what was exactly Luke's plan there was a big like debate about that
2: I, I don't know. know you mentioned it I vaguely remember something about it but I don't think I've read it I mean, so I think sure... it was kind of more what you were saying where it was like, try it and let's see, you know, try for hope that it works. But yeah, yeah. The eventuality yeah, is we'll probably have to come in and <laughs> save, you know, or do what probably how I'm figuring what we end up seeing in the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, probably had different contingencies. I mean, he had a lot of different kind of layers to that plan of getting yeah. everybody on the inside. So. Uh, you know, I mean, heck, why couldn't, uh, Lando just do it? You know, who, how long had he been in there?
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good question.
1: Well, thank like, Good. No, I'm just going to say, you know,
2: thankfully we're finally in the Star Wars comics now going to be venturing into <laughs> the period between Empire and Jedi. So maybe we'll finally get oh, that's right. The right answers true. to this stuff. Too. Oh,
0: it's Charles Soul too. Yeah. Oh, praise God. <laughs> yeah. Praise God.
1: We are in good hands, friends. You know what I th- think is really interesting is the fact that, you know, legend has it that originally, you know, George's plan for this. Um, at one point, return, like this movie was supposed to be all about them rescuing Han from Jabba. And then there was going to be a whole se- episode seven, eight and nine that was like a whole other trilogy about Luke trying to redeem Vader. And then he kind of scrapped that plan and just condensed everything into this one movie. And it doesn't feel like watching it. You wouldn't think that he combined four movies into one, you know, like made this the first half and then took a whole other trilogy and combined that into the second half. Um, You know, so he, he, I mean, I think he, whatever he did to change the story, he just made it flow really well.
0: Well, there, there is truth to that because, uh, if you read the highly recommended secrets of star Wars or the secret history of star Wars, whatever it is, and it's, it's an audiobook you can get, it's fantastic. And they chronicle basically, it basically lays out, he kind of admits it, but seven, eight, nine was supposed to be the reveal of Luke's sister. And, and when, when Yoda says there is another, that was going to be the next trilogy was going to be about her hmm. and so, but what happened was, uh, Lucas got, um, I want to say he got divorced right before return of the Jedi and that, and he was just kind of burned out of everything. So Leia wasn't originally his sister and, Oh, so he was going to have a sister who was somebody else. Mm-hmm, oh, exactly. So yeah, I didn't know that part. So. And the emperor in the whole next fil- set of films r- was going to be about the emperor. I, I, so I think you might be right. I don't remember the, the Jabba's palace thing for episode six, but I think you might be onto something with that because the whole point was Luke's sister was the other, per- obviously the other person. So when, what, so when Lucas was like, I need to get, I need to be done because I'm, I'm sick, I'm tired. I got to, I want to raise a family and I'm getting divorced. I need to focus on my family, kind of a thing. So he needed to wrap everything up. So he killed the Emperor and he made Leia the sister to wrap everything up so there would be new no, no loopholes. So you can just stop there. And then if you wanted to make more films, you would make the prequel trilogy. That's why episodes episodes at seven, eight, and nine are so interesting because the emperor was always supposed to survive. I think even to twelve. I think it was supposed to be twelve episodes. It was supposed so... to be
1: it was supposed to be twelve, yeah, because there was gonna be yeah, seven, eight, and nine was gonna be about Luke fighting the Emperor, but then there was gonna be another like seven, eight, and nine that would have you know Luke be like the old mentor to a new generation. So,
0: yeah, so yeah, so I think there's, so I think you're right, and I think that it that's but that's why if you're wondering why Luke is or Leia is all of a sudden randomly Luke's sister, it's because he had he tried to wrap up everything in one movie, and as you can see now with the rise of Skywalker, that is. You know, there is a little bit of hints of that, of what he, maybe he was thinking about, because I think it sounds like Palpatine was always meant to come back at some point. But uh, but yeah, either way, that's it, this is somewhat in line with George's vision with Palpatine coming back, because Palpatine was supposed to be the overarching villain for the whole time, pretty much. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we passed a little bit, but Lucas entered Jabba's palace, and... That's gotta be one of the best entrances for any character in a Star oh, Wars. For sure, yeah. It is well, he, amazing. amazing. Well, he chokes I mean, him. I don't know
0: if he's like dark or not.
2: Yeah, I mean that's always up for debate too. Is he choking him? Is he just like putting him to sleep? I always assumed he was choking him as a kid because I mean they're grabbing their throats as they're like going to the wall and falling down. But I thought man, they were going to ha- sleep as a kid. How well, awesome. I think
1: I think he's. Ch- you can see he's choking him. Like they look like they're choking, but I don't think he kills him. Like he's. And I think it is kind of like it's the first time we've seen Luke since the reveal that Vader's his father. And so I think he did want to play on expectations a little bit and be like, has he gone dark? Like, obviously, he's wearing all black. like, um, So it gave him a little bit of a darker edge. But I think he's just doing what he's got to do to get these guys out of his way. But, I, you know, he's not going full Vader and, like, murdering him.
2: And it's just amazing when you watch... I mean, the entire saga, just the original trilogy and just the character arc of Luke, just seeing how he progressed from the farm boy we saw in A New Hope to now being a Jedi who's almost fully trained. And it's just so cool seeing him enter in Jabba's palace, just using the Force, using a Jedi mind trick on Bib Fortuna, just, you know, just showing how awesome he is and not taking nothing from nobody. <laughs> just really cool to see Luke this way. And like you said, there's a totally, you're, you're kind of left wondering, oh, is he gone dark? He's in the Black... The robes and, you know, how did he take response to Vader telling him he was his father? So just a lot of great stuff with Luke's introduction into this movie. And just of course, more great stuff coming later on. But I just love the progression of the character from A New Hope to how we see him here in Jedi. I just why he became my favorite Star Wars character growing up.
1: Yeah. And this is, you know, my favorite version of the character for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a big part right. of the reason why mm-hmm. I watched this movie so much as a kid, like, I've said it time and again when we were talking about The Last Jedi and, you know, even back before that movie came out, my anticipation for that, like, just getting to see Luke again. Like, he was the hero of my childhood. Like, I don't know if I would still say that Luke is my favorite Star Wars character now because, um, I mean, there's so many great ones. I love Obi-Wan. I've really developed a, a big appreciation for Anakin through, like not just the prequels, but the Clone Wars, and then even stuff like the Vader comics and Rogue One. Like, I see Anakin and Vader as just one character now. Um But anyway, that's kind of beside the point. I mean, just, you know, Luke was far and away my favorite character in anything as a kid. Like, he was the the hero I wanted to be. Um And it was in large part due to this movie, like seeing him come into his own as a Jedi and fighting the Rancor and getting his lightsaber on the sail barge and fighting everybody. And then fighting Vader at the end and, uh, you know, refusing to kill him and, um, you know, redeeming him instead. Just, um, like you said, Tim, just really cool to see him finish out that character arc and, uh, really reach those heights as a heroic Jedi that he first set out to be in a new hope.
0: I have a question for both of you. Cause I don't have an answer. But why do you think Luke wears black in this movie? Because yeah. re- re- Really quick. Re- re- let me follow up that up with a re- re- really quick. If you watch the making of re- re- from Star Wars to Jedi, Lucas has a comment in that. And he says, this is what Jedi wore. And then huh. you see that. It, but, and also if you get the episode one, um, making of, or the, uh, excuse me, the, uh, Art of Episode One. There's Qui-Gon Jinn in all black.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Even some and, Obi-Wan concepts too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So my question is, but but in in canon, what do you think he would wear black? Because that was the original intention of Lucas, but then he realized oh, that doesn't work.
1: I mean, I don't know if there's a canon explanation for it. The way I see it, more thematically, like I said, I think it sort of is there to represent his potential dark side um you know you after finding out that vader's his father and I, especially after all those warnings from yoda about like not taking the quick and easy path and not taking you know going to the dark side and even up to the point at the end of this movie where he fights vader and defeats him and the emperor is telling him you know kill him and take his place on my side and i can offer you all this power And it's like, I mean, obviously looking back on it now, like we know Luke is the hero and he doesn't have the same demons that Anakin did. And like you never really feel like he's in danger of turning to the dark side. But I think part of that is just from a lifetime of knowing that he ultimately chooses the right thing. Um, But yeah, part of it for me is seeing like that he maybe is a little bit darker has a little bit more of an edge or at least has that potential and then at the end you mm-hmm. obviously see that he doesn't doesn't choose that. Now as far as canon I don't know. I mean I don't know. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe they'll answer that in that comic that's coming out. Um but I've never really yeah. thought of, I've never really thought about that as far as like well why did he choose to wear that? I mean, why not? It's not like he had access to a whole ton of other Jedi robes. Um, I just I kind of just think if I had to pick a reason you know he's
2: probably in you know the more darker periods of his life getting to hear that his father (laughs) may be Darth Vader and he's still in the midst of his Jedi training so maybe his choice of attire is kind of reflecting his inner emotions (laughs) at at this point in his life here so but regardless of the reason it's such a great outfit. I just remember trying to Duplicate that look many times as a kid (laughs) with some clothes that I had just black pants black either black turtleneck or just a black shirt Just wore that so much just trying to look like Luke in this movie Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that's a one small little addition of the special editions that I always loved of those banthas just walking down the desert Just showing the life on the planet of Tatooine just wild banthas is walking across the desert terrain Just a small little touch that I always liked in the special edition
0: Ah, oh, sorry, my dog is barking. I apologize. Unless she was <laughs> done. She was not <laughs> done yet. Stop barking, Bean. Shut up. There's a. I also love the these Jawas are trying to jump up with Jabba. Like <laughs> I want to snuggle with Jabba. No, Don't snuggle with Jabba. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get to really talk about it, but the rancor sequence, <laughs> Luke. I got to say, I mean, there's some shots maybe that don't hold up quite as well, but for the most part, it's still such a great effect. Just using you know that puppet and just the great techniques they use to have it just seems like a life-size monster going up against Luke. It just still holds up really well today. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it definitely
0: how, does. How messed up is it? Like Bib Fortuna is pushing Leia up against Jabba. God, it's so dark and weird. And I love it. Not cause it's like, it's, it's just like, it's just weird and just very, you know, again, just it's gross and weird. and, the fact that it is go that far, it just it gives Leia more reason to like destroy this thing. Yeah, you know makes I mean? it <laughs>
1: makes it more satisfying when you see you choke him out.
0: Yes, thank you. Yeah, gosh, never. Th- this is what kids all, all try to do when yep. they're younger. The, the, yep. the classic Luke Skywalker. <laughs> go on I knew the edge I,
2: of your couch and just. <laughs> I,
0: I kid. I kid. At my school, told me that he tried the Luke Skywalker and chipped his tooth doing it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Now. So I think I think I might have talked about this on a, a previous show or something, but the barge here, my friend said he went he he was a kid when this happened, but it, this barge was and like still built in Arizona for years and left there for years. And a friend of mine like had, a, had his, his dad and his, had a picture with it, like them looking down on it. Like it was on top of a hill they were on, like a sand dune. And that barge was still there. And it was there for years until they finally got rid of it because I think homeless people were in it or something. Huh. Does that make sense? Does that remind anyone? Anyway, I, I know that for a fact. He said it was – because the picture with him was like in the mid-80s. And he was, he was like you know four or five years old. And he's only a year older than I am. And he said, yeah, it, it was still there for a long, long time
1: yeah that's crazy I think I know I've heard that before but it was probably from you um yeah probably from me but it's I mean it's cool because I live in Arizona and I know where those sand dunes are where they filmed it because if you drive from here to I think it's San Diego because like I live in Phoenix and you take a different way to to get to San Diego than you do to like LA um but taking one of those highways out to California you can see it right off to the side and there's all these sand dunes and stuff
0: We'll have to do that sometime. We sh- Why didn't we do that last time, Tim?
1: I know.
2: <laughs> what were we probably thinking? not have enough time. The- we were no, down. we didn't. Yeah we, yeah, we didn't really have enough time. Yeah, you're right. But Man, this sequence is amazing. One of the best action sequences in all of Star Wars. This, yeah, uh, yeah. The adrenaline you feel once R2 shoots out that lightsaber, Luke just raises his hands up to catch it so casually but when he ignites it he just means business and the music that goes along to it uh, oh yeah i love this
1: music it's uh i mean this is yeah one of my favorite action scenes in all the star wars and one of my favorite uh soundtracks in all the star wars too it's just such a great like this encapsulates just that adventure spirit of star wars
2: Mm -hmm. totally yeah what
1: were you saying tim
2: no just like you said earlier just as kids reenacting the sequence so many times. I remember going on, like, the armrest of the couch. I would be ready, like, to jump off there. We had a classic green bat that my brother would toss me as I'd (laughs) jump off and go back on and catch it. (laughs) (laughs) We'd start going at it. But uh, here's the first big bummer of the movie, Boba Fett. going Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, Lucas on the commentary said he almost put a scene of of Boba Fett climbing out of it. I wish he would have. Me too. That would have been awesome. So I, I want to know if you guys know about this. I mean, again, I'm not trying to be like, did you know about this, guys? But uh, did you know about the why the lightsaber is green?
2: Because it I looks freaking awesome. That's why. Because well, in the first trailers, he had the blue lightsaber in like the very first thing, trailer for Return yeah, of guy, yeah. it was blue.
0: What but... well, you're right, it is, it is. So I didn't know this either. It was John Beerley, my good friend. He explained it to me because he's a huge Luke fan, and oh, it's awesome, the tails wagon. Um, what what it was, and it makes a lot of sense what he told me, is because it was hard to see in the blue lighting of the sky when he was swinging around. Oh, that
1: and makes, makes sense. he couldn't see it
0: very well, so they decided to make it, so they made it green because at one point it was there were. Only only going to be blue and red lightsabers, yeah. And they did green. Is oh, make a green, make it stick out better. And think about that. This, these offhand like decisions of oh, make a green, it was, it, that, because they couldn't see it very well. And there's only supposed to be two. And now it's only going to be three. There's only blue and green, you know whatever. It's just interesting that it happened. But genius move on his end. I mean, again, he. I don't think he meant it for it to happen, but. And ended up really opening like, oh, a different colored lightsaber. It wasn't his intent at first. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting.
2: Yeah, and I just another thing I love about this whole sequence. It just makes me think about to a new hope where Luke had this plan to rescue Leia in the Death Star, and it did not go you know the way he thought of. He kind of once they in that shootout, he didn't know what what to do. But here, you just seeing him take charge. His plan going into effect You're just not letting anything stop him taking down all of Jabba's men here because he's just like a, a force here no pun intended with the force but just like a wrecking force is taking down anyone in his way making sure he rescues his friends just again going back to that character arc and the growth of Luke to when we first saw him and into this movie I just love it so much
1: yeah well heck he didn't have his uh well I mean he did have the lightsaber but he was not nearly as proficient with it back in a new hope when they were having mm-hmm. to shoot out on the Death well- Star
0: what was that guy ju- when, like, Leia's, like, bring the thing around? What is that guy diving for? You see him, like, kind of dive in behind her, but where is he going?
1: Oh, I don't
0: know. I <laughs> always want to know that.
1: <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah and again, just, a... you know, blowing up the deck, doing the whole, like, Tarzan rope swing. I mean, I guess that's kind of going back to the uh, – it's almost like a reenactment of the swing across the Death Star chasm, but um... –
3: God, I love this. Yeah. And uh, then
1: again, just the music, the sail-, the, the sail barge exploding in the background as the heroes get away. It's just, like I said, just peak Star Wars, like l- kind of just lighthearted action adventure, like blowing up the bad guys, rescuing all the friends, the gangs back together again. They make an escape in the nick of time. The John Williams score swells behind them. Um, it's just so great.
0: This this is where I would famously turn off the movie is right here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things that makes me turn the Jedi so cool is that it is the only Star Wars movie where the first act really feels like its own movie. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. But yet, when you you watch the whole thing, it still doesn't feel like it is two separate movies, so to speak, where it still flows nicely into the rest of the story that's going to be told. But that's what makes it so unique. But it works so well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you could say it's kind of similar to like the beginning of the Empire Strikes Back once the battle of Hoth is over and everybody takes off and goes their separate ways. I mean, it's kind of similar to this right here. Um, Just a totally different tone because uh, when they leave Hoth, you know, the rebels are on their heels and Han and Leia and uh, the Falcon are still getting chased by the Empire, whereas this is much more triumphant and heroic. And it's like, all right, we rescued Han. We got away. Everything's good. We're going to go back to the rebel fleet um but now this is where we get the introduction of the emperor and stuff really starts kicking into high gear see paul this, this is, is where a you sense turn the
2: finality though with that whole end of the java sequence like it like they, they had their victory like the movie could end right there if they wanted with empire there was still, you know, you had to see what's going to happen next with these characters as far as how they're going to escape from the Empire yeah. and all that. And Luke had to go to Dagobah. With this one, this has that more sense of, you know, this chapter is officially done. Now we're going to move on to something else that's not really connected with it. But, you know, it still has that nice flow as being one
1: full movie. Yeah. Well, because the heroes achieved their goal in this case as opposed to getting their butts kicked by the Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, see Paul, and you yeah, said I you would the turn the mo- you said you would turn the movie off at this point, whereas I'm like, I love that first part, but then it just gets better from here and this that like first of all, huge props to Ian McDiarmid, one of the best performances in you know across the entire saga as Emperor Palpatine, and he's just so good as just like that classic like bad guy that's evil and you don't know his motivations like he doesn't really have any character development he's not like anakin where we see his flaws and see him fall to the dark side he's just pure evil and you don't need to know why you don't need to know his motivations he's just fun to watch and like the voice and the cackle and the hooded wrinkled face and everything is just so freaking good
2: that's another scene too where we see vader and palpatine for the first time together um, of course, if you're watching it by how they were released for the first time. But if you watch episodes beginning with episode one, and you see the whole prequel trilogy. I think that just adds more weight to that scene as well. When you hear uh, the Emperor say, you know, rise, my friend, referring to Vader as his friend. And we know their relationship and their history together once he was Anakin and he was a chancellor. And I just love the more added history you get with these two characters. So when you watch that scene now, you could just call back to so many moments with vader or anakin and palpatine whether it was in the prequels or the clone wars and just all they've been through and it's all leading up to this big moment coming up later on in this movie yes i do now (laughs) i've seen this it's not a problem i have with the movie but i've seen over the years this thing got a lot of flack for how quickly yoda just you know goes from walking around to being on his deathbed (laughs) barely talking did that ever bother you guys at all? Because it never really nope. did for me. No, it just never did. For me, you know, Yoda knew all along this was going to be his time to go. and He's 900 he years just, old, you know, but he
1: he died too yeah. <laughs> quickly.
0: Looked <Yeah. laughs> as good you will not.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a great line too.
0: No, I, I never I, – I think when you're a kid, you just take things at face value more – As when as you're an adult, you're so much more critical of everything because that's how we, as you get older, it's hard to have that whimsical nature. And I think that's, you know, to be honest, I I really think that that's why the prequels were so negative is because people just didn't understand that they were. and, And we, I mean, it's obvious, but what I guess what I'm trying to say is now is I think with the sequel trilogy, there's a little more at least understanding of, of the, this is kind of aimed at a different demographic. Not everyone feels that way, obviously, but I feel that they're, they're a little more forgiving of the sequel trilogy, maybe than maybe the, the prequel trilogy. Cause at that point we can, a lot of people have kind of realized, Oh Yeah. I, I as a kid i'm not gonna like hate these things as much or those people I, i've seen even like commentators for rake for star wars stuff on different like youtube channels and whatnot they say well i used to really hate the prequels well now that i had a daughter i kind of i kind of see it through her eyes and i you know i'm just like well no no, no crap buddy i mean come <laughs> on figure it out like you're, you know again when i was a kid i just the stuff like this did, nothing bothered me nothing was like Looks characterization just doesn't really make sense to me. Like that stuff just doesn't just doesn't matter to me. I just took it at face value. And for better or for worse, as an adult, you just you just get more critical of that. And and mm-hmm. again, with with for me, nothing will change my view of this movie. There's there's nothing can. I it's ingrained in my soul, literally oh, in my yeah. soul. So there's no way that people like could say, well, doesn't this make any sense? I'm like, no, it doesn't make it, it. It doesn't bother me, or just you know whatever. So there's just, just you know, with with newer films, it's just different, and I think that it's unfortunate, but you can't help that. But when you're when you're a kid, these things are just will always be. They'll always be. Does that make sense?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Like when you see. I mean you're totally right that when you see something as a kid you're going to be a lot less critical of it than you are when you're an adult. Like if you enjoy it you're just going to focus on the stuff you enjoy and yeah, you know, when you're 8 years old you don't know anything about uh you know, pacing of the plot or you know, good like what yeah. what good character development is. It's like you just see a, a heroic character like Luke Skywalker swinging a lightsaber around and you're like I want to be that guy. Um But at the same time, because I've heard the same thing, too, from certain people, like you're talking about, who say that, you know, they changed their views on the prequels after watching it with a kid for the first time or something. And I think the prequels, and especially episode one, like, are targeted more at kids specifically. Like, and I know you kind of compared it to the newer movies, too, but I feel like The Force Awakens and especially The Last Jedi kind of do appeal more to older fans. Now, I know fans have a whole different set of issues with those movies, but I don't think anybody would accuse them of being too kiddie or too childlike. I mean, there's, you know, not any Jar Jar Binks type criticism that's uh, aimed at those type of movies. Um, And yet George Lucas has famously said time and again, that he made these movies for kids and for, you know, 12 year olds. Um, But uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, all that to say is that, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that, like, there are flaws in these movies, too, in the original trilogy that I didn't notice as a kid, and maybe either still don't notice now as an adult, or I notice it, but I'm like, you know what? I don't care because I've loved this movie for my entire life, and nothing's going to change that now.
0: Yeah. Sorry, my dog is barking as Yoda dies. She's upset.
2: Yeah. This is <laughs> another hero death scene that works really well with the music playing. I mean, yeah. It's. A powerful moment seeing Yoda, the Jedi master who lived for 900 years, his life amongst the living is over. But yet, you know, his journey is not as he becomes one with the force. But I just love how Luke has that sorrow look on his face. And we see Yoda just disappear to the sport, into the force and John Williams' great music. This is Such- so good
0: so irritating when people one tell me mark hamill can't act i'm just like shut
2: up like, <laughs> most seriously? people don't know what they're talking about <laughs> i mean obviously
0: yeah. now and now mark hamill gets more now than he ever has as he deserves but back in the day mark hamill, you know, just like wow why did hollywood shun mark hamill he's so good like i don't get it i know it, just, it, just, it baffles me it, and one thing I want to comment on really fast too about Yoda disappearing. We saw Obi Wan disappear and Yoda disappear, and I'll never forget when the when the Dark Horse comics kicked back in, all these different every every Jedi disappeared and then we will just I remember the Tales of Jedi when Nomi Sunrider's <clears throat> uh, husband dies, and like in the middle of the of the thing that he dies in the ship crowded ship, he's like Nomi. It's me, your husband, and it's a ghost, and he disappears. the I don't know if he disappears completely or not. I think he does, but his big force ghost appears. where it's like, take my lightsaber, and become a Jedi. And it's just so funny. Like they just judge three movies at face value, as they should, right? Because Lucas was gonna tell, didn't tell him anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe at first with some of the writers, like Timothy Swan. but he pretty much was just like. Oh yeah, figure it out yourself. I don't care, and, you know. And then he's like, oh, by the way, no one, not everyone, can disappear and be a Force ghost. Would have been nice if would have told us, this, you know, 30 years ago. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I just think it's funny. Like, you know, for a while we only had these three movies to judge what a Jedi was. So you thought, okay, all Jedi's disappeared, all Jedi's became Force ghosts. Okay, so but no, that's not the case. It's just it's just interesting.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right.
2: Of, of course, we've been talking see, over now. this. <laughs> the story has progressed.
1: Yeah, we've been talking over this the whole time and kind of skipping over, like, the meat of the story that they're talking about here where Yoda did confirm to Luke that Vader's his father and saying that he has to confront him again to become a Jedi. And now, um, you know, just uh, him having this conversation with, with Obi-Wan again. And it's it's crazy to see now, like, in retrospect, again, Obi-Wan thinking that Luke is the chosen one and thinking that Anakin is just gone Um, and Luke saying like, no, I can't do it. I can't kill my own father. And even Obi-Wan who, you know, we know him as such like a good Jedi. He's like, no, you got to kill this guy. Like Anakin's gone. And he, you know, even it's nice to see him reminiscing on him and telling him like how good of a friend he was and stuff. But he's like, no, we need you to defeat Vader now. But Luke is like the last one in the galaxy that still has hope for him.
2: Yeah, that's. Again, it's just the brilliance of the Star the story of Star Wars and why I love it so much and just how you know, you, Obi-Wan and Yoda are just so dead set in their ways and thinking. You know, they were humbled in Revenge of the Sith, obviously, by having that like, great defeat. They had to go into exile and obviously knew some had to be done differently for the Jedi to survive, but yet they're still kind of holding on to it's it's funny when you think about as Obi-Wan says all these Sith tales and absolutes, they're kind of thinking the same thing as far as the absolute of needing to kill Vader. There's no mm-hmm. other way for the for the Jedi to survive unless Luke kills Vader, but that's what makes it so great where Luke contradicts that in the end and just knowing it's the total opposite is what's going to save the galaxy and stop Vader and Palpatine uh, later on, which we'll I'm sure we'll get into, but it's just so great. And another little touch in that scene where Luke is talking to Obi-Wan is that how that is... The only time I believe Luke ever calls Obi-Wan Obi-Wan, because <laughs> every time he refers to him or talks to him, it's always been. Oh, I think yeah. by him calling him Obi-Wan when he sees him, is kind of showing his frustration <laughs> or being a little upset with him there because of him telling or misleading him how Vader wasn't uh, or killed his father. And until Obi-Wan says the classic line from a certain point of view, what I told you is true, but you know, all that time that Luke was probably upset with Obi-Wan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And again, that's another thing I can't wait to hopefully get more insight to as far as if Luke had much conversations with Obi-Wan between the time of Empire and Jedi, or was that the first time uh, they were speaking to each other since uh, Vader told Luke he was his father? I kind of hope that is the case. It's because reacts to seeing Obi-Wan, it is, well, obviously he says the line, why didn't you tell me? And so that has to be the first time where they talked again. But I wonder if there's going to explore maybe... Luke trying to get in contact with Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan's not responding for some, for some reason, which maybe we'll get an explanation for, but that's just another area in the gap between empire and Jedi that I hope gets explored.
1: Yeah. As well I, that's as a good hopefully question. the I, battle of Tanab that Lando just mentioned.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's interesting about the battle of Tanab, I'm wondering just like Ord Mantell, they, there's like a million different versions and legends but they don't have like they haven't done a canon version yet at all. And they're already moving on to Hoth or into Return of the Jedi territory. So that's interesting. And I'm wondering if the battle to Nab will be some, something similar because there's already a battle to Nab, I'm assuming, in Legends. But well, no, that's what I'm saying what I mean? is I'd love to see if... them
1: tackle that in the new
0: comic series. But I, I don't know if they will. Just like they haven't done it. They, have, they didn't do that for Ord Mantel though. So, oh, which now know. that you say
2: that, Paul, just makes me more frustrated with that comics run. All that time they spent <laughs> in that era, well, and heck, they didn't get to tell uh, that story. That's referenced in a movie.
1: You know what? I'm still disappointed that disappointed that in six seasons of Clone Wars, Obi Wan never made a loose wire joke. So you know, there's plenty <laughs> plenty of loose ends that oh, they haven't right, connected. Right? True. <laughs>
2: yeah. He should have made a couple of two because, oh, Anakin was surely sick of hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> of
1: the Sith. Yeah. I mean, how hard would that have been to slip in? That's a good point. I never thought about that. It's a good point. Oh, man. That was just one of the things in Clone Wars that, like, throughout the entire series, I was like, I want to see this. I want to see this. But I love this scene, too. Again, it's cool to just see the heroes all coming back together. And it's the first time that we see the whole Rebel Alliance together again um whereas you know obviously the last time really the last time that we saw any sort of rebel force together was in like on hoth in uh empire strikes back and they all kind of get their butts kicked and get scattered and then you do see the rebel fleet at the end of that movie um but again they're just kind of chilling out in space they're not preparing for a battle or anything and so now to see them with uh, you know, these new leaders like Mon Mothma and Admiral Akbar and seeing uh, their whole fleet assembled, seeing these new starfighters. Like right now you can see a B-Wing in the background. It's the first time we've seen those guys and they're preparing for their attack on the Death Star. It's like, alright, we're going to get to, uh, you know, see these guys kind of regroup and get back in the fight.
2: And just more different visual looks too to the Rebels that we haven't seen before. I love their you know, commando camouflage outfits that they're going to wear on Endor, too. This guy's one of the outfits with Solomon hot and then even in the beginning of A New Hope, I mean though they're technically all-around soldiers, but still, <laughs> they're fighting for the cause.
1: And this is probably the most relevant Star Wars quote ever for me, where Han says, yeah, I don't think the Empire had Wookiees in mind when they designed her, Chewie, because I'm six foot eight, and I say that every time I get on an airplane or in a <laughs> cramped car or... Yeah, my knees are always up in my face.
2: There's a lot of foreboding about the Falcon not surviving this movie, from Han and Lando's conversation to mm-hmm. Han just saying he has a funny feeling like he's not going to see it again. And well, I remember, like, I was the original draft of one of one of them where uh, Lando, I believe, was going to die and destroying the Death Star, and the Falcon was going to be destroyed as well. And I'm not sure how early on that was changed, but um, I'm pretty obvious, I think, that that was an idea they were toying with, at least the Falcon not making out of this, with all the kind of the hints they were dropping, just to, in the end, mislead you. But I'm pretty sure that was something that was in the original idea for this movie.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you can definitely see the foreshadowing of that there, which would have been an interesting idea and kind of add some more, like, emotional weight to it, I guess, but at the same time thinking about it now it's like i can't imagine the end of that battle playing out any differently than it does now it's so perfect mm, yeah
0: i would assume i i would have maybe said we could maybe see the, the falcon is being destroyed and rise of skywalker but with it being in batu um in the uh, galaxy's edge i don't know what's ever going to happen
2: well that takes place between eight and nine though so yeah I that's could. true
0: well you're right okay okay maybe, 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 you're right, maybe you're right. <laughs> I hope
1: they don't destroy the Falcon be, but
0: to be honest if it's the if it's truly the end and they're going to kill the Skywalker line and all that jazz I and mean, there's going to be like Oh, you know, the, the the rise of Skywalker is gonna be the fact that the Luke and Anakin come back, or you know something like that as far as goes. You know, whatever, these some cop out thing like that. Then I want him to be a truly an end of the saga. Let's get Chewie like to sacrifice himself in the Falcon and then run into like a a Holdo situation where he light speeds into like I don't know to like a. To the Hux's Star Destroyer to finish him off. Something, give me something interesting. Why I mean, do you want to just off kill
1: off more original trilogy characters? No, why?
0: Losing no, Han why? and Luke if wasn't they, enough you know, for you. If they kill off, if they kill off the original line, then I want the whole thing wiped out. <laughs> wiped them out. Oh, wow. all of
2: them. No, no. <laughs> Chewie lives. Hey, really going dark. City is <laughs> there.
0: The dog has to be to die at some point. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I mean, I guess, as long as I they know. don't drop a moon on his head, yeah, yeah well whatever the good news is whatever happens, that's uh that's never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't worry, guys, we didn't lose the connection we're We're just sitting here enjoying Star Wars.
2: <laughs> i don't know i just thinking about the tension between luke and vader here. vader knowing luke's on bad ship obviously and just wondering what's going on in his head you know allow him to go follow the emperor's you know orders or you know does he have some other idea scheming in his head to get luke to join him and overthrow the emperor because it takes a little while to decide and give the okay for them to land on there even though he had the orders to
1: yeah, well, plus, I think, didn't we just have the scene where uh, Palpatine tells Vader, like, he will come to you, and then you will bring him before me? And so, mm-hmm. um, but, I mean, I guess they could have just captured the ship, but still, I think Vader just kind of wants to see how it plays out. um, And he wants to see if Palpatine's yeah, right, and if Luke if really will. Well, and he, I think he wants to see if Palpatine's right, and see if Luke really will come to him. He's like, he's not going to give him a choice mm-hmm. if he captures the shuttle but you know i think he is hoping that luke comes to him but he's also maybe still holding out hope that he can convert luke and that the two of them can overthrow palpatine
2: yeah yeah definitely that's what i'm sure going on in his head as he's you know not giving the order okay to Piet it there to go ahead and allow them to land i was thinking of you know the, poss- the many possibilities i'm sure he was contemplating about how to best proceed with getting luke uh, to come to him.
1: Yeah. As any good Sith apprentice would do. How can I obey my master? But also try to twist the situation to my advantage and get the upper hand.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the biggest travesties in Return of the Jedi. No prune face on, on screen. <laughs> Just <got a> <laughs> I think he was on, on screen. On
2: the
1: <laughs> Rebel ship. Yeah. On not the on ship. Endor you... though. Not. No. Oh yeah. No. Not on Endor. Wait.
0: Yeah, that's one. He's on Endor though. Where is he?
1: those scout costumes are just so cool.
0: So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: good. It's funny that I now almost kind of stormtrooper design in the original trilogy. I kind of associate that design now with Ezra Bridger because he wears that helmet so often in like the last couple seasons (laughs) of Rebels. Yeah. Yeah. And another one of
2: the. sequence the speeder bike chase man (laughs) talk about a scene i watched over and over again as a kid maybe not as much as the attack on java sail barge but this one Jesus, it's for the longest time and still to this day i should say you know the scene you pop in when you want to test out a new sound system (laughs) anytime Mm. you get new speakers a new receiver anything
1: this is the scene to go to well i would argue that now it's the pod race um, you could argue that, but I still go to this one. There's just something
2: about the sound mix and just the sound of the speeder bikes that I think outdoes the race sound design. Just a bit for me anyway.
1: But, yeah, I mean, this is just one of those great classic scenes, too. Um, and, yeah, definitely one that and- I loved watching as a kid, especially the end of this when, you know, Luke falls off and uh, is fighting the guys with his lightsaber. Like, I loved that as a kid
2: yeah, this is another moment <laughs> me and my brothers would play a lot too. just get on our bikes, play out in the yard, and we'd, me and my brother would get our bikes like so close together, and like ram each other. <laughs> Sometimes we'd make each other fall off. but it was still fun. And this was I remember when the special edition was coming out. obviously, this is my first time seeing Return of the Jedi on the big screen. And this reason, or this sequence, I should say more than any other, is what made me the most excited to see Return of the Jedi. On the big screen, out of the three, because I wanted to be blown away by seeing this amazing sequence for its visuals, for its sound on the big screen, and it did not disappoint. Even though it was funny, I almost missed it because I remember we're going to the, some friends, and uh, one of my friends, uh, Jason Palmer, uh, the artist who did the amazing Star Wars mural for celebration. Um, yeah, I was driving like, with him. No biggie. I it.
1: know that guy.
2: <laughs> and. I, he overheard me say because Return of the Jedi was his least favorite of the original trilogy and I was talking to my cousin who was also in the car and I go yeah the Return of the Jedi is the one I want to see the most because of the speeder bike chase and he goes what? and he missed the off-ramp to the freeway for going to the theater <laughs> <laughs> so I was like oh, I was so taken back by Return of the Jedi is the one you want to see the most now I gotta you know, get off the exit and get back on track so I didn't make it in time but it was a close call for a little bit that's funny <laughs> But yet, as cool as the scouts look, some more incompetence by Imperial stormtroopers. I mean, to be taken out just by looking back and then you crashed into a big tree stump, like, ah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: funny because uh, my wife is on vacation right now with a friend of hers, and they're actually up in – they went to Oregon, and I'm not sure if they're still in Oregon or in California right now, but she texted me just earlier today and said they were uh, at the Redwoods Park um, and she's like, dude, we're on Endor right oh, now. Man. And, uh, I was like, oh man, that's so cool. And she's like, uh, oh, and I told her, I was like, Hey, what a coincidence. I'm recording return of the Jedi tonight. So we're going to be watching that part. She goes, oh, tell Tim I'm up here murking Ewoks. And I was like, that's uh. just going to make him mad. Cause he hates the way they all get taken out in this movie or not. Ewoks stormtroopers. Uh, yeah. I- <laughs> yeah.
2: But well, I, I know what you meant because Ewoks <laughs> are going to be doing a lot of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm telling you, we'll have to do a trip, the three of us, or something like that, to the redwoods. Because I've, I've, I did my bachelor party in the redwoods. Oh, nice! And it was uh, magical. Let me tell you, man, it was magical. And you, it feels like you're in a different, you're on a different planet when you're in the redwoods. You, re- you really do. The, there's a part, there's a couple parts, um, or a couple parks here or there. There's one that's in particular, in particular, I forgot, I keep forgetting what it's called, but it's this little area. It's little. It's a little trail, like circular trail, this little area, just giant trees, and you feel like you're in a fantasy world. It's crazy. But uh yeah, the Redwoods, we'll have to do that all together sometime because it it does really feel like you're in a different world. It's it's awesome. Dude, beautiful, we, beautiful place.
1: We should go out there and do that and bring like a laser tag set or something, and we can like play real life battlefront <laughs> out there. Yeah.
2: That would be awesome.
1: Or just bring a stick
2: and you can be an Ewok and win the battle. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is going to be, you know, I'm probably going to be alone in this, but this is where return of the Jedi kind of falls in my ranking a little bit. Little. This seems a little, and it's not just because of the Ewok. It's just a little, the place, the pace of it slows down a bit more than the other films for me, where it takes a little bit for it to get going and not going to lie. Endor, And the Ewoks aren't my favorite. I don't hate them, even though I'm annoyed by some of the stuff that happens later on. But it's just some of the stuff isn't my favorite from
1: the original trilogy films. Okay, first of all, I haven't watched this on Blu-ray in a while, and I completely forgot about the digitally added Ewok pupils. And so I'm a little freaked out right now. (laughs) Second of all, I'm blinking. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's more the pupils than the blinking. That looks weird to me. Um but it, both of those are just unnecessary digital editions. Second of all, I actually completely agree with you, Tim. As much as this is my overall favorite Star Wars movie, it's because of the first like half of the movie and then the last third or so. Um, but this part on Endor after the speeder bike chase, it does kind of slow down a little bit. And I don't hate it. It's obviously not enough to make it fall out of my top spot. It's just... You know, the weakest part of the movie for sure. And like you said, it's not because the Ewoks are stupid or anything like that. It's just the overall pacing of it just kind of slows down. There's not as much excitement going on. Um, And it's just kind of like everything from here up until Luke goes to meet with Vader is just kind of like... Okay, when's it going to pick up the pace again? And then as soon as Luke uh, surrenders himself to the Imperials and and has that conversation with Vader from then to the end of the movie is like all my favorite stuff in Star Wars.
2: Yeah, even though most of the stuff in the ending sequence is great, but there'll be some stuff that I kind of put in this category as well, (laughs) (laughs) which we'll get to. And you got, you know, two targets sitting right there, and they still miss. I mean, barely misses Leia right there.
0: (laughs) I also love love, uh...
1: E-Chihuahua. There's another Ewok line from Wicket coming up here in a second that I use all the time.
2: I love Leia's blaster, too, just kind of how thin it is. Mm -hmm. That was another accessory that... I didn't want to lose as well with my figures. Yes, sir! And can he um, go any slower? I mean, he should have been long gone by the time Wicket hits his leg. Yeah, that one right there the where, where, he where he whacks him in the and leg and goes with
1: a freaking log. Where he whacks him and goes woo Like, I say that all the time when I, like, hit something.
3: <laughs>
1: I, I hate Scout troopers
2: look cool, but, man, they didn't really do much in this movie. Well, they're scouting. <laughs>
0: they're not warriors. Come on, man. Well, they they're could scouting. barely even—
2: What well, they were riding the speeder bikes. Like I said, the, that one barely couldn't get out. He crashed into the other speeder bike. The one looked turned his head, and he didn't see where he was going, and he crashed into that tree. <laughs> they're scouts. They're not stormtroopers. They're, they're scout troopers, so they're still some type of trooper. Don't should be under, better than what
1: we're seeing here. Don't underestimate the plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> like come on they're not gonna take out uh, Leia uh.
0: plot armor
2: so maybe we got our as, as much as we were talking how much we've seen it this time we were talking about how Palpatine tells Vader that Luke will come to him yeah no. And I think Vader is just telling Palpatine now that
1: Luke is on Endor. Yeah, (laughs) no, so it is. So I guess, yeah, so earlier Vader probably was maybe just feeling conflicted. I mean, even, you know, Palpatine says here, I wonder if your feelings on this matter are clear. So when he felt Mm. that Luke was on that ship, he was maybe like, okay, but what do I do about that? Or, you know, again, he's like, should I tell Palpatine? Should I just let him go? Should I try to go after him myself? Um and obviously he does come here and tell him about it, but I think in that moment he was just kind of like, eh, let me sit on this for a second, or let me see how this plays out.
2: Yeah, he definitely got that conflict with Invader at that moment too, mm-hmm. and I was probably got mixing the two scenes up right before, thinking that happened before he was uh, approving shuttle Tidarium to land on Endor. But. Yeah, no, I
1: thought the same thing too. but it makes sense because he didn't know that Luke was there until after he felt him on the shuttle
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I will say this is a a fun little gag with them chewing thinking with his stomach and them getting caught in the net (laughs) I did really want to see Han Take
1: Luke's lightsaber again, though, and use it to get him out. <laughs> oh, yeah, he tries to reach for it. And then R2 is just like, no, nah, I got you, fam. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I I remember, what what is that creature with a face
1: next to Chewie? I, I don't know what that is. Well, that's yeah, it's whatever they used as the bait.
0: Well, right, but I, I wish I knew what the what the the universe creature was. I wish yeah, it was
2: something know. they put in the Ewok adventure movies to kind of you know have a show a familiar type of creature that you know even though it's oh, uh yeah. like you said bait and it's a dead animal just to see a living one and what it looked like in those movies. here comes a tribe of Ewoks. Hooray. Tim's favorite
0: creatures. (laughs) You like Ewoks, though. You just don't like the fact they defeated the, what's it called, the Stormtroopers, right?
2: Exactly. You know, Paul, I don't hate the Ewoks. I I do like them, but just the fact that they took down the Empire, it's like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's just the way it happens, too, and how it plays out in the movie. You'll hear me
1: groan and complaining a lot more. (laughs) They should have brought a better class of soldiers than those Stormtroopers.
2: Uh, Rex wasn't kidding. <laughs> he said that. That's for yeah. Sure. <laughs> he knew all along. Mm-hmm. I do love Han's reaction to it, though. Like, you got to be kidding me with this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure by this point of you know all the things in the galaxy that he's seen and all the dangers that he's faced and escaped from, he's like, I'm gonna get captured by these guys. But then just the irony of the fact that, you know, 3PO is normally just, you know, the one bringing up the rear, the one annoying everybody, the, you know, the one that Han's always dismissing or, you know, making fun of or whatever. And he's the one to get them out of this mess because the Ewoks are all bowing to him and, uh, you know, they're like, oh, we we want (laughs) to poke and prod the rest of you with sticks, but we'll worship this guy.
2: i think it just brings up the whole concept in star wars of like a deity and a god because we know the force is the most powerful thing in the universe and you know it's as all heard about the movies kind of what the living obviously the living force for all beings in the galaxy but if there was one all divine powerful being in, like god i mean know that has never really been touched on too much in star wars i mean you can make a case in uh mortis they're referred to as the mortis gods in rebels aren't they the imperial i forget his exact title yeah yeah he
0: calls them mortis gods yeah yeah
2: but just that idea and concept that there are beings who you know have that idea of there being like an all-powerful god out there in the galaxy So it's not like a foreign concept because i know we, i have that discussion among some people and family about that for star wars is there like is there's a belief that, that there is a like a god out there as the one all-powerful being. But even though that has been touched on, we we know there are beings throughout the galaxy who believe so.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, there's so many different planets and so many different cultures. You know, people are going to believe a whole lot of different things. Especially because, I mean, like you mentioned, as far as we know, the ultimate power in the universe is the force, but there are people who don't even know anything about that or don't believe in it. Um, So, you know, with so many different, just planets and species and stuff out there. I think there's a lot of room for a lot of different interesting religious beliefs and, and spiritual, uh, spiritualities and that sort of thing. And even the fact that, you know, 3PO says the Ewoks think he's some sort of god, it's like... Is he do they think he is God or he's a God or, you know, like the coming of like one particular God that they believe Mm -hmm. in? Or is it just like, oh, hey, this guy's gold and shiny. We've never heard of him or seen him before, but he must be something magical. So we'll just bow down.
2: So I kind of like the idea if there was like throughout the course of Ewok history where there is these like tribal drawings, like cave paintings of like what they believe to be their God and it does look like 3PO and when they do see him it's like we're seeing our god here like we've always seen we're like we heard stories or we've seen paintings of him but yet this is him in the flesh type of thing that would be i think that'd be kind of a neat concept
1: i was gonna say just gonna say that would be a really cool thing to have as an addition in like the myths and fables book
2: yeah yeah that would be cool would have made for some better stories that we got in that book, actually. But <laughs> that's I discussion. love
0: I love that the third, the th- the third movie here, they they put up three PO as a deity because that's where he that's where, where he belongs. And then in the <laughs> in the sixth in the third movie of the sequel trilogy, he will be a warrior like where he always he should always should be in the front lines, blowing people away with a bowcaster. So <laughs> either way, I'm getting you know he gets his his justice is served in the. Uh, in the, in the, the last movies of the last two trilogies for three PO. I, I feel about the same way that Han trip. does. Right now. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> I, again, I just always, I just love seeing Luke use the force throughout this movie in different ways. And this is another cool way. I think he does it, you know, just putting on this, display of power that's just obviously terrifying the Ewoks here. But yet for Luke, it's, you know, something simple. But again, distressing in the force to get out of this situation that they're in, because you're obviously seeing how Han's reacting trying to blow out the flame on that torch. And Luke is just really calm, relaxed, knows that, you know, he's, he's in control of the situation here. And he shows why. Yeah, But r clearly annoyed, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I would be, too. You know, R2's got to uh, get back at him a little bit. But, yeah, I I like how Luke (laughs) uses the situation to his advantage and he plays into—he kind of, like, you know, sees the situation that they're in and he leans into it. He could have used the Force to force-push all the Ewoks off the platform and kill them all or— you know, use the force to like untie the ropes and grab his lightsaber and, you know, threaten them or something. But instead he's like, okay, well they think three people magic. So let's just, you know, threaten them with magic. And then if they don't do it, then I'll show them some magic and just make them scared. And we'll all get what we want. It's three You have the best line at the end of it though.
2: Totally oblivious that it was Luke. <laughs> he just goes, I never knew I had it in me. <laughs> yeah. Baby
0: Ewoks are the most adorable things for the record. I mean, I won't fight you on that one. I love 3PO doing the ATAT walkers. God, it's <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah, his whole little I just storytelling like The idea is of C3PO awesome.
2: being the storyteller. Yeah. yeah. That just goes into what I was talking about in one of our previous episodes, talking about the Rise of Skywalker, how the idea of C3PO and R2 kind of being the main storytellers of the saga and how that was going into maybe 3PO getting his uh, memories back from being wiped in Revenge of the Sith, just to have the whole saga to tell, the whole Skywalker saga to tell in a s- similar situation like this to anyone who wants to hear it, any being any on any planet, to recount the you know most important events the galaxy has ever seen with the Skywalker family. So I just like that idea of 3PO being the main storyteller so i'm still clinging on to that theory and hope that he gets his memory back at the rise of skywalker
1: yeah well even if he doesn't get his memory back from the prequels i would i would not be upset with seeing a scene at the end of the rise of end of rise of skywalker with you know almost like reenacting this scene with him you know maybe there's a new group of people that they find or something and you know just him re retelling that story um of the original trilogy or the sequel trilogy or both. Um, I mean, I don't know if it'll happen, but that's just one of those things where like, you might think it seems a little redundant or on the nose, but like, I would totally be okay with that. That would seem like a a fitting way or a fitting thing to have in there at the end. Um, It's just having 3PO retell some of those stories that he's been a part of along the way. Totally agree.
2: You know, Han has great humor's on all the movies, but this is probably the one instance where they were trying to be funny with him, but for me anyway, it doesn't quite pull off. <laughs> I just agree. So yeah.
0: Agree. Disagree. I like this
1: part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm kind of in the middle, like it, it is kind of funny, but at the same time, it is a little obnoxious. The fact that he's like, tell them this. Okay. Now tell them this. Okay. Now tell them this When Like clearly he hasn't tell, had time to tell them yet. And then he's like, hurry up. Will you like, it's funny because it's that classic, uh, you know Han always being annoyed with 3PO but at the same time it's like come on Han you're smarter than that you know he hasn't had time to tell them that yet <laughs> And just imagine the
2: speculation at this moment scene Return of the Jedi back in 83 about them talking about their mother and just you know knowing that Vader was Luke's father and what their relationship would have been and how You know, Leia saying she died when she was really young and how we didn't know she would be, you know, just minutes old (laughs) being that young when she died. But that was something I always attribute to, you know, obviously the force having those memories she does have of Padme. But it always made me think, too, that Leia should have been the one maybe who was born first ahead of Luke just to have that little extra connection or maybe just a little bit longer time with Padme before she died to have those The Force have given those memories where Luke says he has no memories of Padme. So, I mean, that's really nitpicky. But even when I saw Revenge of the Sith for the first time, I was thinking just to make that or connect a little bit to that line Leia says here, in Return of the Jedi, it would have been, I think, made a little sense if they had her be born first before Luke, just to give her those memories of Padme that she says she has.
1: Yeah, I mean, this for me is one of those things where obviously it just doesn't connect that well because george didn't know like exactly how he was going to tie everything together in the prequel trilogy um but it doesn't bother me that much it's like okay so Mm. you know something he made in 2005 made a little bit of a plot hole with something that he made back in 1983 it's like i don't know and it doesn't affect the story a whole lot Like, Leia doesn't do anything with those memories of her mother or it doesn't, like, change the story in any way. Like you said, I think it's easy to just kind of write that off as, like, her having visions through the Force or something like that. Um, And, I mean, yeah, it might have made a little more sense if she was the one that was born first. But then, you know, she would have, what, seconds more memories than Luke would. So, Um, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things that I kind of try not to think about too much, at least as far as, like, oh, is that a plot hole and, you know create continuity errors and whatever it's like yeah it's not perfect we know it's an issue but you kind of just look past it
2: yeah that's me trying to look for a reason to make it have make it more sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: luke's like "Mm, see you later kind of a weird way to to walk away i think
1: i'm off to get myself captured
0: Could you tell Luke that's not who you can
2: tell. <laughs> Man, yeah, that'd be like what we're just talking about with Han, and then right here, not his two best moments in Star Wars, I will say.
0: I think Luke. Does, I think Luke does a great job. I, I definitely think Carrie and Han both don't deliver their best performances here.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah.
0: I mean, again, not terrible, but just not. Not to what, yeah, from from them both. Whereas Hamill, I thought did, did a fantastic job.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he carries this movie for sure. Um. And yeah, especially in this scene, you know, Han and Leia, it's not on par with like their scenes from Empire Strikes Back, but it's okay. We get to see Luke and Vader now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: This is a great scene.
3: Hmm.
2: I love how they just throw in an AT-AT here, too. I mean, it would have been nice to see it in the Battle of Endor, but
1: <laughs> it was cool to see it again after seeing them on odd. Yeah, well, see, Tim, you say it would have been nice to see one in the Battle of Endor, but how mad would you have been seeing Ewoks take that down? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> See, i always take it this would have been hard for it to move or
2: maneuver across all the trees and get through <laughs> that forest so mm-hmm. they had to use the atsts uh, great stuff right here i love how the officer right here is probably so proud of himself thinking he got one of the main rebel leaders he got his weapon and how he does have no clue probably the magnitude of Luke and Vader, what this meeting with them means. He just happy he got a rebel leader, but it just means so much more in the grand scheme of things. And obviously I wouldn't think he knows that Luke is Vader's son here, but it's just funny to think how proud he is, but yet he accomplished so little to what is really going on in the grand scheme. Yeah.
1: So, but can, you, can you imagine? The dialogue
2: that... between Luke and Vader here, man.
1: Can you imagine if that guy ever found out that uh, he captured Luke and brought him to Vader and it ended up with Vader killing Palpatine? Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> we need to get his story now
2: <laughs> after, after yeah. the Battle of Endor.
1: But yeah, like you were saying, just such great dialogue from Luke and Vader here. Um, and again, Luke being the only one that still believes that Anakin is still in there. And. You know, calling him father and being like, no, I know there's still good in you and I know you won't kill me and stuff. Um, also, I don't know why, I love that, just that scene of Vader igniting Luke's lightsaber.
2: Yeah, there's just something really cool about Vader holding the green lightsaber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, too, this is another point where I think Vader's revealing a little bit that there is good in him where where Luke tells him you know to come with him and Vader tells him it's too late for me son yeah just that the way he says it he, he says it like a father would not as this evil Sith Lord but then he just immediately goes back into Vader mode, where he goes the Emperor will show you will show you the true nature of the force but, yeah but even no, him
1: love it so much. you know him saying like uh you don't know the power of the dark side and uh I must obey my master yeah, and then him saying, it's too late for me, son. It's like, um, yeah, he it, it's not even quite showing, like, the light side in him, but just showing that he's hesitating. Like, the stuff that mm-hmm. Luke's saying, that he's thinking about it, that he's kind of willing to give it a chance. But And then the reason he says no, it's not like... No, I'm a Sith Lord. I would never go back to being a Jedi. Or no, I'm evil. You know what? It's like, look, man. Even if I wanted to, I can't. So at this point, it's best if you just join me.
2: I just love this shot right here, Vader looking. Like, to me, I just think he's thinking of Padme right there because mm. he's obviously seeing his son and just thinking about what could have been and what he lost when he went to the dark side. That's just so good. Again, one of those. It's a very small detail. Maybe not everyone th- even thinks about it, but I think just a little se- sequence right there that I think the prequels add just more weight to. And just, again, having that history and background, getting inside Vader's head so his history to what he could possibly be thinking there. I just love it.
1: Yeah. And again, just showing that, you know, despite what Obi-Wan says, that Darth Vader destroyed Anakin Skywalker, like, he's Anakin the whole time. And he's—he's he's, at this point he's Anakin just now starting to entertain the idea of maybe trying to undo some of the terrible things that he's done.
0: I love this. I love seeing all these different shifts. This is yeah. one of my favorite parts in Return of the Jedi. To see like the Falcon leading with all the X wings and the and the few B wings we get and the Y wings, the beautiful Y wings.
2: Not to mention the music that's playing here. Is, yeah, yep. Well, I was gonna say the theme song of Return of the Jedi—that is my favorite. But then I think to Palpatine's theme—that I don't know, maybe that one <laughs> might be the best. But it's just such a great theme. Yeah, again, just building to what's going to be such a climactic battle, which, again, going back to how it was in 1983, some that I'm sure most fans are so excited maybe weren't even prepared for it, just after only having the Battle of the Death Star and how great that was. And like I said in that ca- commentary, how that is my still my favorite space battle, but yet Return of the Jedi is going to up the ante with the attack on the Death Star with Star Destroyers, different types of ships going against TIE Fighters, TIE Interceptors. It's just... Crazy of how much chaos that battle is, and I will say, wish we got a little more of that of the space battle in this movie than you know. Maybe certain other shots we got in the <laughs> other battles that take place,
1: but like a battle with some pupil blinking uh, combatants. <laughs>
2: Yeah, another one of my favorite scenes coming up right here.
1: <laughs> hey, I do like this scene, it, it, just because no, it's fun. No, Can he fly it that well, though?
2: <laughs> primitive species who doesn't operate the machinery on that level, let alone makes it start, but then is able to be in control of it and not crash
1: immediately. Eh. I don't know. Now, you know, See, this is like what we were talking about earlier. That's just one of those things that because I've loved this movie since I was a kid, it never bothered me. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, look, it's funny. The Ewok stole a speeder bike, and now the stormtroopers are chasing him. I mean, look, he's barely holding on to the thing.
2: Then why is it he crashed? <laughs> look it's, how straight he's flying. You know what?
1: Maybe it was the will of the force that he didn't crash. <laughs> That's usually my go-to. <laughs> I know. I use the will of the force against
2: you. How convenient. How convenient that vine was right there. <laughs> no matter how fast he was going, he was able to grab it.
1: Well, hey, you know what? You can criticize an Ewok's ability to fly a speeder bike, but you definitely can't criticize their ability to climb vines. That's their natural habitat. <laughs> is that guys that Rex
0: or
2: not? That is Rex. So
1: Apparently, not,
0: not be now. <laughs> yeah, but remember the whole. Man, oh, that was a dark time for Star Wars Twitter.
1: I'll just say <laughs> I'm it's unnecessarily overblown. When is, it, overblown, if you when, ask is me. when is it not a dark moment for Star Wars Twitter?
0: Fair enough. People <laughs> <are> always
1: <laughs> people are always bad about something. Now, this is one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars, but I feel like I'm going to be saying that with every scene for the rest of the movie.
2: <laughs> it really just gets better and better when you're talking about Luke, Vader, and Palpatine here. This, every scene just continues to be
1: outdoes itself, really. Yeah. So again, if we get long pauses at these points, just know that... We're just enjoying the heck out of the movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. I wanna one of the things I really wish we did see was the the red guards in action and uh and also that deleted scene with with Gerard where he's like where he's talking mess to Vader and Vader's like, Here, how about this? And he's like, Uh choking him and the red guards are like, Hey, back up. And what's really funny about that, if you watch those deleted scenes, they seem so weird because basically Gerard or Gerard, whatever his name is, he's off basically in the side in this room and the scenes that that he's in that they show, they cut out, are so weird. Hmm. They just seem off. Like they seem like they're a different movie. Would
2: you agree to that? For most of them, but I actually did like the one where he was like contemplating on destroying Endor. So, you know, yeah. they could just de- defeat the rebels there. And I, I always thought about that. You know, why don't they just blow up the moon of Endor when they have the Death Star right there? Just, to, you know, it'll destroy the shield generator. It'll take out the main rebel forces there too. But that I, the fact that they were even contemplating that, I like seeing in the deleted scenes. I never knew that that was something that was actually part of the movie, but it got cut. Because we've heard of some deleted scenes that, before we even saw them and seen images or seen descriptions of them, but that was one of them where I haven't heard of or read about, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool that they included that, because that was something I always thought of that the Empire should have done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing you can say is, A, you've, like you said, they've got their shield generator there on Endor protecting them, so if you were to blow up Endor, then suddenly you're leaving yourself defenseless, because you're blowing up the shield generator for the Rebels, and also, like and i don't know exactly how this would work but like the death star is pretty close to endor and if you were to blow the planet up from that range i'm sure the explosion would do a lot of damage to the death star itself like when it blew up alderaan it was pretty far away compared to where the death star is hanging right over the planet now
2: true and the line that they always makes me roll my eyes from Palpatine where he goes, a legion of my best troops are on the planet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you hear, hear
2: that, that? Tim,
0: <laughs> Tim, legion, best troops versus Ewoks. <laughs> 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 we like, don't worry about this guys. I'll get some warriors out here. Warriors come back. Come with me!
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly what he said. Poor Ben Burt. (laughs) Oh, was that Ben Burt? (laughs) Yep. That's awesome. All right, here we go. I mean, they didn't quite frame that shot of the whole Rebel fleet coming out of hyperspace as cool as they did in Rogue One with them coming out of hyperspace over Scarif, but still. Man, I just love these sequences. Every like, time? And when you're getting ready for the beginning of a space battle at Star, in Star Wars and you get the ships coming out of hyperspace, you get the, you know, all the, the squadrons flying in formation and all the wings checking in and uh, you know, obviously, at this point, we don't see the fleet yet, um, the the Imperial fleet, but you know something's coming.
2: Yeah, just that anticipation of knowing that a cool space battle is coming. Because in any Star Wars movie, you know, like you said, when you hear all the ships calling with their call signs and you just know something cool is on the
1: way. So I totally get what you're saying there. And here's the iconic, it's a trap! <laughs> Even All though
2: right. Le- Leia say it, said it first, that like you pointed out in the Empire Strikes Back, that's true. That's true. But somehow it's stuck with Akbar.
1: It's like one of those memes where you know you're like when you tell a joke and nobody hears it, and no, you know only one person hears you, and they say it louder, and everybody laughs at it, and it's like a sad face. That's Leia. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I always liked how you know, Luke looking out at the space battle seeing everything going on there and then how later on in Revenge of the Sith Luke kind of mirrored that when Palpatine, Obi-Wan and Anakin are rescue Palpatine, you just see that space battle going on, sure it was done more on a grander scale <laughs> with the technology Lucas had then than he did here, but just the idea of them in a throne room, but yet you see the space battle going on in the background I always liked that when mm-hmm. we get that in a Star Wars movie where you see the close-up of a space battle but then you can see it from a distance It so is like the different perspective you get on it
1: yeah that is cool and obviously the way that palpatine uses that to luke's advantage or to his advantage i mean um to try to tempt him like and as much as he's telling him like oh you know your fleet's gonna get destroyed and everything i don't even know from that distance if you can really tell what's going on especially this early in the battle i'm sure if all the rebel ships started getting wiped out you'd be able to tell but Palpatine kind of just preying on his fear he's like you know your friends thought they were going to swoop in and destroy the Death Star and that it was going to be unarmed but look now my fleet came out of nowhere and they're engaged in this big battle and he's like your friends are dying time's running out take your weapon strike me down (laughs) like you know just really kind of using the, the pressure of the situation to his advantage to try to get Luke to crack
2: See, that's why I think it makes sense that that rebel soldier is Rex. We've seen Rex go undercover in Stormtrooper costumes before in Rebels and he's doing it again right here as he was in the Scout Troopers armor. That's true. No, don't go up there, you troopers, don't. <laughs> <It's> better <laughs> off staying don't, where you're at. Don't didn't go, yeah,
0: you, but Don't go up there. You have you have giant Ewok warriors ready for you. Di- didn't you guys just hear Admiral Ackbar? Uh, here we go. <laughs> so so accurate. Sticks is breaking through stormtrooper armor because they're so weak. It, they're not even breaking through the armor. They're just clubbing them. Weapons. I know. I I know. I'm just
2: joking gosh. <laughs> but hey, it's having that effect though.
1: <laughs> but the arrows get through the armor.
2: Yeah, see that scout trooper got shot in the back. <laughs> You should feel a little pain, but not to scream out like he did when he got hit with that <laughs> tiny arrow. Look at, they're just all running around panicking, not knowing what to do, not being soldiers and just, you know, think they'd be more organized and prepared for this kind of attack, but no, they're just running around without... Oh
1: well, you know what, though? I mean, in their defense, I'm sure all their military academy training for the Empire and stuff, probably well-prepared them to take on rebels with blasters and pirates and insurgents and all that kind of stuff a bunch of two foot tall teddy bears with spears and bow and arrows just pop out of the forest and start killing you you're like i didn't train for this what the heck am i supposed to do with these guys
2: to adapt pretty quickly. I mean, like you said, <laughs> how tall they are, their weapons. The only time a stormtrooper got one, he just tossed them right there. That's the only time <laughs> we see them do anything. And that one shoots him by accident, not even trying to aim him. So I'm not going to give that trooper any credit. <laughs> well,
1: when do stormtroopers ever hit anything when they are trying to aim?
2: <laughs> uh Only at the beginning of A New old book <laughs> See, fire your blasters right there. No, they're just chasing him, not doing anything. And I hope those rocks don't knock him out. It was like (laughs) that little one hits him and then he falls to the ground. He should get right back up.
1: Yeah, but it's a I just wish we get more
2: of I know. I just wish (laughs) we got more of the rebel soldiers against the stormtroopers. Have it you know, showed more of the Rebel Alliance troops and how they could be able to fight against the troop instead of mainly just focusing on the Ewoks being the unlikely heroes taking out the troopers with
1: sticks and rocks. I mean, that's true. That would have been cool but to I know, see. I know
2: those behind-the-scenes videos of Lucas talking about why he wanted to do this, how in, like, fairy tales, he always says it's, you know, when the hero goes out on his quest, it's the little bunny rabbit on the side of the road that gives the hero what he needs to defeat the evil and overcome when he needs to fulfill his destiny. That's what he wanted to try to prove here. That's from the most unlikely source that's going to give the heroes what they need to defeat, you know, the ultimate evil and claim victory here, but still think it could have been done a little better. <laughs> Especially when we hear the original plan that it was supposed to be Wookiees and supposed to go on Kashyyyk. I know. Yeah.
1: That's the one thing I am disappointed about. That's I don't I don't be. hate Ewoks, but I love Wookiees so much more. And when I, the first time I heard that, that his, the original plan was that it was supposed to be Wookies, and he decided to go with Ewoks instead. I was just like, "Why, George? Why?"
2: That was one of the things that caused the fallout between him and Gary Kurtz for him not to produce this movie. I don't know there was other things, but I know that was one of them too. Hmm.
0: Emperor has something special planning. What could it be? I'm gonna kill all my troops. They're my best legion. He doesn't need expendable. to spend that. They're
2: they're getting killed on their own, so <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that's what he says He's like,
1: but they're expendable. I love the way that he just like spits this line out. It's fully armed and operational battle station.
0: Was this? For, was that shot from A New Hope? The, that those two shots, whatever of the the Death Star gunner. So no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's what it felt like.
2: If it's not, they did an exact recreation to film it for Return of the Jedi because it's pretty much dead on what they did in New Hope. I
0: know. It, I almost feel like that's what it, that's what it was.
2: And just think the rebels were Akbar even says that they are going to retreat right then and there, knowing that the death star was operational mm-hmm. and that would add his victory, but he will get Orlando knowing that Han and Leia, Jewy would do the job with a little help from some Ewoks, of course. <laughs> See, look at that little weeklies are hitting with those sticks and they just get over, just fire your blaster mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be the, causing that much pain with the helmets of those sticks for you to just to fire off some shots to get them off you
0: I always thought it was funny too that R2 or 3PO is is safe or gets blown away in the second one and then R2 gets blown away in this one uh, well R2 you know got what, blown away in A New Hope too about. well it's true he did you're right
2: yeah, it's like I said, something we all know that happens, but never really thought about it that way. <laughs> where to get a blast by a stormtrooper too, both of them in each movie. I mean, come on, the ATSD can't hit him there. Like, got you just got it. At least they showed at least there's some casualties amongst the Ewoks. So just one, but <laughs> 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 they didn't make it too you know fairy tale like where none of the Ewoks got killed during this battle. And not that I'm clamoring for Ewoks to die, just you know, I would be fair or <laughs> more realistic too, where the Empire should take a few of them out, and not just get
1: in, totally embarrassed by them like they do. Yeah, you're like, I don't want the Ewoks to die. I just want the stormtroopers to live. <laughs> <laughs> It's so simple. Dude, it would have been so scary to be in this space battle, to be on one of those cruisers and like see the Death Star start firing and not know which yeah. cruiser it's about to blow up next. Like Dude, stay, right, staying yeah. in that battle, staying in that battle is like the ultimate game of Russian roulette.
2: Yeah, you're probably happy when you're at Akbar and give the retreat order mm-hmm. <laughs> you're on one of those cruisers.
0: Your fleet is lost.
2: Just more great acting from Ian McDermott as Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's hamming it up, but that's just what Palpatine's all about here. <laughs> this is, after Revenge is the Sith, it's going to be his ultimate victory. I mean, he defeated the Jedi. Now he's going to defeat the Rebellion. So he's just feeling as confident as ever.
1: And he's and so, that, com- and he's so confident that he's yeah that he's going to turn Luke to the dark side.
0: His eyes are so
2: yellow. I just love Luke grabbing the lightsaber. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then Vader just immediately igniting his. There was a a meme or there was something
0: like that. Some kind of, not a meme, but something online that kind of went viral a little bit about what if Vader protect the emperor, not because he's protecting the emperor, but he was actually protecting Luke. Like, don't, turned into me kind of a thing
1: i did see that
0: um i don't i don't agree with it but i like the i, I like that that's that you could interpret it like that you could say yeah
2: no yeah, I, I never really thought about that before myself i always yeah. just assumed he was protecting palpatine but that does add
1: a new layer to it that's pretty cool to think about i mean i think and maybe that's a little bit of his motivation there but i do think he's still kind of in the same mode that he was when uh when luke talked to him on endor when you know he was trying to say like hey you know father come with me um and you know walk away from this and we can defeat the emperor and he's like no it's too late for me like you don't know the power of the dark side i must obey my master so he's more in it's not like hey you're attacking palpatine like get away from like he's not doing it out of uh you know out of of anger or like a, a strong desire to protect him but more just out of like obedience
2: Yeah, and plus, it kind of goes, we're going to get to it a little bit where, in their lightsaber battle, where Luke is hiding from him and Vader says what he says to him there, kind of doesn't go along to that theory (laughs) for the stuff he says there, to trying to get Luke to come out of hiding and to make it give him to his hatred there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because I think at this point, Vader does kind of he's, he's not just trying to kill Luke. Like he wants the best for his son. And when he's trying to convince him to join the dark side, it's not just because Palpatine says so, but it's like, you're my son. I don't want you to be my enemy, but I'm not, I can't join you. So like the best option for all of us is for you to join me. Like, and he's also thinking like, you can't beat, you can't beat Palpatine. You can't beat me. Like just, Join me and either together we can defeat him or just together, you know, all of us will be dark side and we'll rule the galaxy together. Although he does tell him in, uh, you know, even in Empire Strikes Back, he says, you can destroy the emperor. So, uh, you know, join me and together you and I can rule the galaxy as father and son. So that's probably still his kind of agenda here.
2: Yeah, like his ultimate goal for all this. I mean just to find a way for to get Luke to join him and not Palpatine, so. Mm-hmm.
1: But at the same time, obviously, Palpatine wasn't there in Empire Strikes Back, and now that he's there overseeing this in person, Vader's, I think Vader is more, like, less ambitious and more obedient yeah. and, like, yeah. Luke, come on, let's just join the Emperor.
2: Yeah, he has to be a little more careful. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm kind of not sure. What, even though Palpatine probably knows it, but... Vader still has to, I think, play on that act that he is doing the Emperor's bidding and trying to get Luke to join both of them. But, we you know, we all know how Sith thinks. So. <laughs> they both got to be kind of have an idea of what they're truly after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vader probably always has it in his mind. When can I get the upper hand on this guy? And Palpatine always knows that that's something that Vader's probably thinking about.
2: And while not on the same level as, I'll go ahead. uh, I was going to say not quite on the same level as their lightsaber duel in *Empire Strikes Back*, but this is still a really great one. Well, it's not as long either, but there's still some cool moves being, you know, shown
1: off between Luke and Vader, and more great dialogue
2: between the both of them.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was ironic that Vader said, "Obi Wan has taught you well," while Luke had the high ground. (laughs)
2: I never thought about that either But that's another cool connection
1: that you can look at I I would disagree with you though I like this lightsaber duel better than The one in Empire And for me it's just because The emotional stakes are higher Also I think maybe it's partial to the fact That I love Luke's green lightsaber Um, and so just the visual of, you know, those two lightsaber blades clashing in the, the throne room in front of the emperor. But I think I like this one better for the, again, just the emotional undertone of it all of, you know, the personal drama that's going on between Luke and Vader. And then you have Palpatine overseeing the whole thing and trying to pull the puppet strings and manipulate them both. Um, so it's just, it's a great fight, but also just, it's great character drama
2: yeah i mean they're both great on different levels too but i don't know do you have a preference paul which one do you prefer better
0: <sighs> yeah i i don't know it's it's really hard to to do all that to be honest i
2: don't know
3: yeah
0: come on nobody you now i <laughs> love i also love the uh classic vhs uh, uh static here for, yeah. as as he's like talking in it's like oh great this the vhs get the get the tracking so get the tracker <laughs> and, and, and get it fixed
2: oh uh, the tracking buttons on your remote uh, oh, don't oh you yeah. miss those days so oh, many yeah. tracks sure
1: in this movie
0: hmm Those are thermal detonators I always think of. I always think of uh, Battlefront now when I see
2: those
1: things. <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, detonite charges.
2: Yeah. Man, I love this scene, too. This is what, you know, as far as the complaints I have about, you know, the final battle on Endor and the Ewoks, this is the stuff right here. And later on is what truly makes Return of the Jedi great. This some of the best moments of the entire saga are right mm-hmm. here. I just love how the lighting of this scene is shot too, the dark blue. You see Luke almost like (laughs) Two-Face. One side of his face is blue and the other is just his natural tone. Well, and again,
1: I think that's to symbolically sort of portray the mm -hmm. balance between the light side and the dark side and him kind of teetering on the edge. Mm -hmm. And this is about to be the moment where he does briefly give in.
2: Yeah, see, I don't know if I should go – I'll probably go into it more in our Last Jedi commentary, but this right here is what makes me, you know, be okay with the, some of the actions that Luke does do in The Last Jedi, But mm-hmm. I'll get into with that.
3: We'll save it. We'll save
0: it. <laughs> <sighs> I can't believe you just said that. Oh, all right. <laughs> Uh, two, yeah, more, two, more movies, Paul, two more movies Paul two more movies we're going to need to pause the movie I think and, on Last <laughs> Jedi on that part you so th- this, this right here so this right here is this is one of my favorite parts in the movie and I, I love it because yes Luke does show some vulnerability here and when he is key words here he is poked and prodded And basically manipulated into doing this. And and, um, I do love to see the correlation of him looking at his hand and him looking at his father's hand. It's a beautiful moment. It really Um, is. Again, underrated by Mark Hamill. Underrated. People just underrate his performance in these movies. I know we don't. The mass audience did in the '80s, and I just think it's a travesty. Obviously, Mark Hamill is doing fine as a voice actor; he's doing great. He's done great work, obviously, since then. But it's travesty because this stuff—I would love to see him more Hollywood films. And you know, again, Star Wars was the first mega franchise, right? That so they didn't know what to do with a major star like this. Like, we can't cast him in anything else. He's Luke Skywalker, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's obviously it's obviously been,
1: you know, trumped
0: and and proven wrong nowadays, but
1: well, it it, st- it because, does still you know. happen occasionally though because think of like what else has Daniel Radcliffe been in since Harry Potter? Like Dude, he's he's been, he's, in, he's been in, well, he's been in some other stuff, but you know Mark Hamill's been in a lot of other stuff too. Just again a lot of voiceover no, stuff Hamill, and a lot of smaller movie
0: and TV but, roles. Daniel Radcliffe is a little bit different. He had seven mil- movies, right? right, And he's also, but, and so Radcliffe was set up for life just off of that. But then Radcliffe has done a ton of independent films. Like he's pursued more what he wants to do. Whereas I think Mark was just kind of, no one would cast him. Like he, I mean, he wasn't even in independent movies really. I mean, he was in the Giver. Remember that movie? Yeah. <laughs> not. Yeah. So that's all he could get. Whereas Daniel Radcliffe is on like a TNT show. He's on independent films and he's doing like a lot of stuff. So I would argue that at least Radcliffe is kind of still, they're still, they're still casting him in different things and he's casting in different films. Mark Hamill was not cast in anything. He could not, I remember reading an article from like in the late early nineties or something like that or, or late eighties that he's pretty much like, yeah, I pretty much can't get cast. Like they, he was trying to get into a, um, into a Broadway show or or a play or something like that. And they wouldn't cast him because he was Luke Skywalker. He Mm. straight up said that everyone will think you're Luke Skywalker. And I can't, I, you know, they'll only see that. And so, you know, he'd do, he would be in little bits here or there. Like he was a trickster in the flash, but, but yeah, this stuff is, he's amazing in this.
2: I mean, just look at this.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right here.
2: The way he just really, I mean, Mark Hamill really sells, you know, the way Vader turns on Palpatine seeing his son suffer like that I mean it's all because of Mark Hamill's performance and seeing the suffering he's going through which the only way this scene can work to have the redemption of Vader be right here is to see the suffering of his son and Mm -hmm. Mark Hamill does it beautifully and this is one of the most best moments in the saga that there will ever be just seeing Vader turn on Palpatine I love it so much except
1: I really wish he just stayed quiet (laughs) This is by (laughs) far my least favorite change in any of the special editions. Like, this moment was perfect, and he had to go mess with it. It was, even. It's not even the fact – because I know some people – I've heard people say, like, oh, why did they make – you know, add the no, like, from Revenge of the Sith? Because that moment was so stupid, and everybody hated it, so why would you put it back in there? To me, it's not even what he says. It's more the fact that they took – the emotional climax of the movie and of the star Wars saga in general, like the ultimate redemptive moment. Mm -hmm. And just don't mess with that. Like, just leave it alone. Like Han shooting Greedo. I don't care. That's something that happens at the beginning of the movie. Like by the end of the movie, I've forgotten about it. I don't care who shoots first, but like when it's the ultimate showdown of good versus evil and you have the redemption of Anakin Skywalker and he's turning on Darth Sidious and destroying him.
2: Don't touch it. Yeah, it's it's hard not to agree with you there because it's such a powerful moment and the silence just adds more emotion to that for seeing Vader do what he does. Mm-hmm. He just acts on his emotions right there. Something, you know, that Obi-Wan, Yoda thought was gone and dead, but it's back there. The love of his son came back that moment. He didn't need to say anything. We knew the pain, that he was feeling seeing his son suffer like that through the mask and it was just powerful. So I agree with you. It doesn't totally ruin the scene, but it just something that it's an annoyance (laughs) or it's so much better without it, that it's a shame that it is there now. But yeah,
1: no. And again, it's only because like, obviously it doesn't ruin the scene for me because the only reason I'm so annoyed is because I love that scene so much to begin with. Yeah. And so you can't really do anything to it that's going to make me suddenly hate the scene or hate the movie or anything like that. It's just something I really wish wasn't there.
0: Yeah, I'm I don't think it was necessary, but I don't mind it because of what it bookends. I I actually like the no in Revenge of the Sith now, and I think, if I'm being honest, I like the fact, one, I think Lucas wanted to bookend the fact that he said no about what happened to Padme, what happened to him. And he said, and he's saying no, cause it reminds him of that time when, Mm -hmm. and he sees his son happening to his son. That's why he says the same thing. I get what Lucas is doing. I agree that it def definitely messes with the original intent of the emotion, the, that it kind of represents with no yelling. But I also think you put that idea in it. I, I like that. I know that everyone will, but whatever. But I also think it's awesome because Lucas probably did it also to piss everyone off. And that's how baller <laughs> he is. So I'll be honest. The punk rock side of me is like boy George. So I kind of love it for, for those two things. And honest, I actually do like the nose. I, I don't, if, if it was up to me, I'd take it out. But I still like it. What it represents because of Revenge of the Sith. But I, again, that's because I also love the no in that. I know everyone. It's a it's an easy thing to, to complain about in Revenge of the Sith, but I love it. I that that scene gets easier and easier for me to accept the more and more I watch it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I,
1: I mean, I never really had a problem with it in Revenge of the Sith, um, right. but I just still wish that it wasn't here. Again, the the fact that it's the no specifically or or the way he says it or whatever is not my issue as much as just I wish that he had just left the the silent contemplation of Vader realize like just the him thinking about it and then him just doing it. It was just perfect the way it was. But I love this moment here where obviously Luke finally gets to look upon his father, Anakin Skywalker, which again the thing that I really, you know, have enjoyed kind of coming to realize in recent years as a Star Wars fan is, like, the more I watch these movies, and especially the more we get the time in between Episode 3 and 4 filled in with, like, Rebels, and I, heck, I just re-watched uh, Twilight of the Apprentice last night, um, and it wasn't even, like, in preparation for this. It was just because I felt like watching it, um, but, you know, you know, stuff like Rogue One and the Vader comics, it's like... I really see the whole thing as just one story arc of Anakin Skywalker, like and Darth, like Anakin and Vader. Like when I see Darth Vader, I think of Anakin Skywalker under that mask. Like it's just part of his journey and his character arc, and it's just the dark time in his life. And now we see him finally coming back out of that um, and being redeemed, and you know, getting to see his son one last time.
0: the The fact that he's revealed what he looks like is is really. Again, if you watch it as four, you know, three, four, or excuse me, four, five, six, then one, two, three, and then seven, eight, nine, the way the release order was, I, it is a lot really powerful to see him as that and, and just decrepit kind of pathetic person that he kind of is. And as far as what he looks like and and everything, he's just, he's not this monster that you anticipated underneath. But at the same time, it is. I, I I hate to bring a joke into it, but I only think of that scene from *Chasing Amy* as well now, because of uh, this movie or because of that movie. I only I think of that every single time. Of the the guy is like, you know, you know, base is, is Jedi is the most insulting of the of the movies. I'm not sure if you have seen that movie or not. But I
2: haven't. I it's have
0: pretty not. good. It's it's basically a guy saying that that Star Wars is racist and. How uh, everyone that Star Wars is saying that every uh, every Vader represents black people, and that that when they reveal him to be a crusty old white man, they're saying they all they all want to be white. And uh, what? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, you have to Watch the clip. It's funny. Trust me, it's funny. It's it's a joke because he's he's basically the character is is he's doing he's playing an act at a comic convention, and Jason Lee, who was one of his friends, is like. Well, do you don't you and then he gets them all mad he takes a fake gun out and shoots them. it's hilarious you, you gotta watch it but he's like i love it i only think of that scene every time where he's like "He revealed they all we all wants to be what And he's like well don't you and then they get to a huge fight it's 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 funny watch it i'm not doing it justice but that part <laughs> is that
2: part is great it's going back to the whole topic of vader's redemption and just made me think about the title return of the jedi and how now there's been debate what exactly, which Jedi is returning. Is it Luke restoring the Jedi Order, that's the return of the Jedi, kind of in the plural yeah. sense, or is it the mm-hmm. return of Anakin as a Jedi? So, I think you can look at those ways. Growing up, I always took it as Luke bringing back the Jedi Order, so it's the return of the Jedi in the plural sense, but that was what I think about the redemption of Anakin's arc, and what you're talking about, Kyle, just how the whole saga is based off Anakin's fall and then his redemption and we're still seeing uh the effects of Anakin's and Darth Vader's action in the sequel trilogy too and just how he is the main focus of the saga and how Return of the Jedi could be implied towards him so I don't know I I still lean towards more Luke bringing back the Jedi Order but I just like having that other option to kind of think about as something else you can interpret it as as well
0: here's the good news it's both yeah, he can yeah, and,
1: and even as kind of a third option, and this is, even looking at it just more simplistically, I always thought of it as, not even, not even Luke bringing back the Jedi Order, but just the return of Luke as a Jedi. Like, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, we see him sort of at his lowest point, you know, he's missing a hand, he's mm-hmm. emotionally traumatized, like, he's been defeated, and the rebels are sort of in retreat, and now... In um, you know, just in this movie, it's him returning and sort of taking up the mantle of a Jedi.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, a, it's a beautiful scene right here. And yeah, that, it that really is, is. That that is just amazing.
1: Another
2: yeah. one of my favorite uses of the Force name too. Yeah,
1: that's so great. One of my favorite pieces of music in all the Star Wars, and one of my favorite scenes. Just you know, it's beautiful. Like uh, again. Even uh, like at the time when it was just the original trilogy, before we even had that context of knowing uh, the backstory of Anakin Skywalker, still seeing Vader as like this fearsome villain and now knowing that he's been redeemed and showing, you know, his son having this funeral pyre for him is beautiful. But then, you know, watching it now and having that whole backstory, like I almost I, I watched that scene of Luke burning Vader and just think of like the little slave boy from Tatooine under that mask
3: and it's just such a great great,
1: culmination of his entire story arc Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I love Star Wars (laughs) dude me too me too
0: I'm quitting see you guys
2: (laughs) (laughs) and this is one of the best special edition changes not just seeing the celebration on all the different planets but victory Victory. celebration over Yub Nub any
1: day I was about to say the same thing
0: uh, I would take Yub Nub, but it, this movie gets a pass because it has Wedge celebrating with them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this this victory celebration music just feels like the ending of you know at the, again at the time the whole song, but this this trilogy it just feels like a song that just perfectly fits a story wrapping up and just again going to the title of victory celebration, but that's not you know too over the top or too kiddie like Yub Nub is, and just i don't know (laughs) too playful i guess and it's a song you definitely could picture the ewoks uh writing and singing to but in the course of wrapping up this trilogy and this portion of the saga victory celebration is so much more fitting Mm -hmm. and another not a specialist in change but a dvd change that is for the better yes yep Hating Christian, I, yeah, or it, yeah. it's so much more effective. It's
1: at least one that I don't mind. I still remember watching this on the DVD for the first time, and I was probably fifteen or something. And when he showed up, I was, you know, surprised, but I thought it was really cool. And now, you know later on, like as an older fan, I can understand why some people have an issue with it, um especially people that really didn't like the prequels. like if I hated the prequels, I probably would be mad about that. But loving the prequels as much as I do. Um, I think it's just a nice callback to that, and uh, yeah, I I think it's great, and it does sort of tie into that theme that Obi-Wan said where he says, uh, you know, when that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed, and so it's that good part, you know, Anakin returning as he was when he was a Jedi.
2: Exactly. To me, it just makes more sense on a story level, too, as far as how the Force Yeah. Anakin would choose to represent himself that way. I mean, as you said, Kyle, the last time he was a good Jedi and just I think how he'd want Luke to see him as too and not as, you know, an older man, which we wouldn't know how he would look since he never really got to that point on the physical realm being, you know, defeated by Obi-Wan and being in Vader's armor. So it just makes so much more sense that that would be the version Luke would see Anakin as. And Mm -hmm. I think Anakin would want to choose to represent himself. That's the thing. See, it's been a while since I got on <laughs> talking about this topic since the DVDs came out. But the reason exactly as far as it's it the force kind of choosing the way you manifest yourself or is it the person doing it? Is Anakin deciding to have him be represented as he was before he went to the dark side as a young man?
0: Yeah, I I think that's a good question. But personally, I think it's. I think it's them choosing themselves what they what they see themselves as and what they re- what they represent themselves mm. as, um, as far as what what they want to re- what what they want to show and represent their true self and with Obi Wan it would make sense to me that he would choose his older form because that's when he probably grew more at peace with who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. So that would make more sense that he would choose that form because that's what he ultimately, his greatest achievement is when he was older. And then with with Anakin, it makes sense that he's, you know, um, he chooses when he was last a Jedi, which when he was Anakin and then you can also look at Yoda chose his form because he's always been basically years old. If you think about it, so <laughs> yeah. always, yeah. you know, so It's not really going to be much of a difference. So, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. And
2: plus, that's how, because for at least a good port, or I said a good portion of time, I should say, that the only person they're going to be, you know, communicating with is Luke. And that's how Luke knows Obi-Wan and Yoda as, as especially Obi-Wan as, you know, the older man that he was in the original trilogy. So, yeah, this makes sense all the way around for each character to... Looking like they do when they manifest themselves as force ghosts, and here's hoping we see them all again in the rise of Skywalker. Yes, <laughs> that would just be the icing on I'm, the cake.
0: And... I'm almost. I mean, honestly, it's gonna happen. I mean, it would be a. I, do you really think it's not gonna happen? I so can never I think, know
1: to be sure, but I think it's least likely that we'll see Obi Wan. Um, obviously because you know we don't have Alginus with us anymore. They could do. I mean, they could try to do a digital one, but I don't know if they'd go that route. They could also just put Ewan McGregor in old man makeup. Um, But I think I just think that one's the least likely to happen. They could do Yoda again because we already saw him in uh, The Last Jedi. But I think especially with the title, The Rise of Skywalker, I mean, we know we're going to see Luke as a force ghost. Like we already hear Mark Hamill's voice in the trailer. Um, but I think it would just be really cool to see Luke and Anakin and just have it be those two. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I I would be surprised.
0: I think it's going to be Yoda, Obi-Wan, Anakin. I think it's going to be everybody. I think there's going to be something like that at the end of this movie just because it has to culminate. Again, if this is really the true of the ending of the Skywalker saga, and it's gonna be ninety nine films long, and blah 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 blah, all that jazz, then I feel that there's gonna be more, again, more like an end game kind of a thing where everyone kind of shows up. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah, I I, I just kind of think that there's there's gotta be something with, to that. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, we'll see indeed. Yes. But man, yes, yes. what a great way to end the saga on if it was only gonna be six episodes the way Return of the Jedi ended. I will say it was the perfect ending for that time, but I'm <sighs> definitely glad we're getting more. So the saga, as we say, continues. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. Um I'm
0: I'm still skeptical if we needed more. I I before episode eight and everything, I was all about it. I'm not exactly sure. I love everything that's been going down, but I will say this over the last couple of weeks. And I've kind of told you this before, Tim, I'm, I'm softening my, my dissatisfaction with the sequel trilogy a little bit. And, and because I don't hate it, but it, I've definitely not loved it as much as I wanted it to, but I'm starting to come around with some story ideas and everything. So, and, and even as much as this weekend, I'm starting to kind of soft on the ending of the saga. Again, I don't agree with everything that they've done, but just like the prequel trilogy, I didn't agree with everything that George did. I, I eventually accepted it and liked it for what it ended up being and accept it. So it's one of those things where I'm just kind of, I'm slowly coming around to that. And I definitely feel that this is a perfect, this was a perfect ending to a saga, unfortunately. And, you know, and now it's, it's moved on and hopefully, you know, if rise Skywalker can, can somehow make it a ending like this, then you know what, then maybe, The sequel trilogy is justified, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was going to say on the one hand, I feel like, you know, I was going to say, Tim, we've got two more commentaries to try to soften Paul up on the sequel trilogy and change his mind and everything. But on the other hand, I think there will always be a small part of me that sees one through six as like the original star Wars saga. And I'm not saying that the stuff that Disney has made doesn't count or anything like that. Um, I mean, I love all of that stuff for the most part. I certainly accept those films and love a lot of stuff about those films. And I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, only George Lucas star Wars counts or anything like that, but it's like, you know, I'll always remember the time when return of the Jedi was the final star Wars movie. Um, you yeah. know I, and I still remember going to see Revenge of the Sith in the theaters uh, I think I talked about this back on a Revenge of the Sith commentary too but after the last time I saw it in theaters and it had already been out for a couple months and I knew that this was like the last time I was going to be able to see it in theaters Um, and just leaving with this sense of closure like this story that I've loved since I was too young to remember watching it for the first time has come full circle and is now complete and it's six episodes and like you know that's the saga that's the story um and so as much as i love the sequel trilogy and uh you know i'm excited to see where it goes with episode 9 and i i certainly think in some ways it's a great extension of this story but it it does feel like an extension it doesn't always feel like a natural progression it feels like you know they came back to it and were like okay what else can we add to it um so and, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to like badmouth it or criticize it or anything. I'm just saying that in some ways, one through six is always going to feel like its own separate thing. And so I think, you know, even with seven, eight and nine, um, you know, this movie will always kind of have that sense of closure for me and always in some sense feel like an ending.
2: Mm. I haven't really thought about it that way to me because cause just having to continue knowing that nine will be the one to wrap everything up. And like we were talking about as great as an ending return of the Jedi was for the saga at the time, episode nine does have the potential maybe to even surpass it as far as being a satisfying conclusion and wrap things up all nine episodes. So I'm just looking forward to not only to seeing the rise of Skywalker, obviously when it comes out and just seeing how it does that doing that job. But once it comes out on Blu-ray, just, watching one through nine as one complete saga just to see how it flows like that because um as we're doing the commentaries now watching each episode in order we still know when it's missing <laughs> until mm. we see episode nine and this when we get to watch them uh, i'd love to do in a day i don't know if i'll be able to do that <laughs> but over the course of a weekend or something watching one through nine is going to really be the true test i think to see how uh, the saga flows as 9 episodes now instead of 6 for what it be, what it has been for a long time so time will tell but i'm definitely excited and hopeful that it's going to be very satisfying i mean we've talked about the trailers we've got the images the details we're hearing about it is how all signs are pointing to where the rise of skywalker could be you know the satisfying conclusion conclusion to the saga we're all hoping it is going to be so there's a lot to be excited about for but yet there's also so much we don't know that could add to to why it could be such a great conclusion to the saga so we'll just have to wait and see but i'm ready for it but until then we just got two more months (laughs) to go which is hard to believe and to where you know even though we have seven eight as movies now that we could watch whenever we want return of the jedi is that movie still right now that has that final feel to it just how the way it ends because um that was the ending for a time and it was a perfect one so just hopefully it continues with the rise of skywalker and i just have a feeling that it's going to be you can call me an optimist or just maybe someone who just <laughs> star wars apologist, or just loves the franchise so much she doesn't want to you know hope for the worst or you know to not to prepare myself or be disappointed but i just really think we're going to get it with episode nine so here's hoping i'm right because we'll, <laughs> we'll all be better off for it that's for sure as we'll all be satisfied with a satisfying conclusion
1: I hope, right, you are. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You make a good point because everything I just said about this kind of still feeling like an ending to some extent and me like not being sure how I feel about the sequel trilogy as far as how it fits into the overall saga, that is all completely dependent on episode nine. Um, And if it does have the satisfying conclusion that we're all hoping for, then, you know, I think maybe it will make it easier to view it all as one seamless nine movie saga and again I, you know I'm not saying that right now it's like hard to accept seven and eight I think right now it feels kind of open-ended because
3: mm-hmm.
1: we had like again six was the conclusion but now you've gone and tacked on more to the story but now we don't know how that part of the story ends yet and so this is still the last movie that feels like a satisfying conclusion Um and wraps up at least the first part of the story and so um yeah, I think Episode Nine is going to have a big job on his shoulders of wrapping up not just the sequel trilogy, but the the uh, Skywalker saga as a whole. But I'm definitely optimistic that it's going to do a good job of that. I hope right you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that I think is going to do it for our Return of the Jedi commentary. Um Hope you guys have enjoyed it and uh, hope some of you were able to watch along with us uh, with the movie. Um, And, uh, you know, like we said, we've only got two more of these left to do uh, as we get close to the end of the year and get ready for the release of Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, So as always, be sure to check us out online. Uh, Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues and follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, You can check out our website at StarWarsTSC.com and send us email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. And uh, if all goes well, you know, we're sitting here uh, middle of October and we haven't gotten a new trailer for The Rise of Skywalker yet. So I'm sure that's probably going to be our next episode. And I'm sure that's probably going to drop within the next week or two here once we get that trailer. So uh, hang tight because, you know, that's going to be a big one when we get that. Um, but that's going to do it for us, uh, for now. So thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time. And may the force be with you.
2: See you next time, everybody.
1: Yeah, it's rebels.